Yes, hello. Today it's the WNR three five nine. It is time for NXT update, but I am not alone. I have a pleasure to be joined by Monty. How you doing, man? You're right. Oh man, I'm I'm doing good. Uh, thankful as always to be back here, and man, I can't wait to get into the action. Let's catch up, man. Well, it just seems so long ago that the last time we we kind of met up to talk NXT, but it's only a month. But I seem to be saying we just want it to be closer together, you know? <laughs> I, I, exactly, and time flies. Man. I can't believe it, like how fast you know it, everything just go by. You know, it's Tuesday again before you know it. <laughs> when, uh, yeah. and I, I literally I, they catch me by surprise. Uh, as much as I like the new time slot and all of that, the day right after Raw, and I usually don't even finish those episodes <laughs> at this point. <laughs> it's been tough. Uh, it's been tough. But, yeah, man, I'm glad to be back. And uh, so much can happen in four or five weeks, man, four weeks. <laughs> well, without a doubt. So not only have we got four episodes of uh, NXT to catch up on, but also a lot of news as well. So it is going to be a jam-packed show. And of course, we are on the cusp of TakeOver. As everybody listens to this, TakeOver in your house is uh, literally a couple of hours away. So we will run through the cards later. But let's get to it straight away. It's the 18th of May, the very first episode. We get a nice promo open up the main event cage match. But we start with Tony Storm versus Zoe Stark. And we see Stark send the storm reeling early until uh, she managed to recover and threw her into the still stairs. She's going to beat down the NXT newcomer. The former title holder responded with a storm zero, then took a shocking near fall only. In frustration, she pulled out a bold new finish manoeuvre, a kind of modified brain buster score, an emphatic win. What were your thoughts on this match? Uh, man, I really liked uh, the way they put this match together. Uh, you can already see the, you can see the progression, not only in... Uh, Zoe starts like how much better she's getting. Zoe starts like she's getting her, her progression is shown well in this match, but also the storytelling of like you know the Storm Zero. We I don't know I I, I can't I can't really think how many people I've watched kick out of it. You know it's one of those things that does, that does not happen often. I love when a pretty much protected finisher. Uh, you know that's that's what protecting a finisher is all about when they are not protected. You know, it makes some people hate it, but I love it when it's done right and sparsingly. It's done when it's sparsingly enough to where it doesn't, you know, diminish the move. But bringing out a new finisher always is a great time to get your old finisher uh, kicked out of. So uh, I really love that spot too. The the finisher I've never seen that maneuver before by anyone, much less used by Tony Storm. So it was just great. It was a great debut of a new move, and it was a. I think Zoe Stark represented herself well again. Also, so I, I liked it. I thought, yeah, like you said, it's a really good match. And a secondary women's feud that actually meant something. Because going into it, like I said, Zoe Stark was a kind of the newcomer. And then going into this one, you're kind of thinking, you know, Stark might actually pull this one off. And to do that, it means that like, she's become a legitimate threat. Uh, and, of course, Tony Storm can carry that because we kind of consider her as a top contender as well, you know? Exactly. I think using Storm's status... Uh, I think this is a great example of how to elevate someone who, you know, has the talent, but someone who's not as known as her, their opponent. That's just great use of, like, like you said, like, our, the way we look at Tony Storm as, like you said, not only a top contender in NXT, but one of the best female wrestlers in the world, wrestlers in the world in general. So, like, uh, so, you know, using that status, using her talent to 
bolster and you know elevate someone like Zoe Stark who was new to a lot of our t- television screen. I thought this was a very good example of uh you know creating a star in a way. Yeah, I think without a doubt. Let me see the lights going out. A storm was trying to celebrate, and Frankie Monet arrived to promote her debut next week. So we talk about an incredible division already adding someone that we know. Uh, obviously, we've seen her before. What she's going to do to the division as well, you know. Uh, I thought this was a great uh, touch, and I also love the fact that it's like in a movie trailer format. The way they just talked about it, it's going to be the greatest debut ever. Like we can already pretty much expect, you know, what was coming. But at the same time, the the, the build up for it, I love how they're trying to. Okay, you should take you you guys should you know take this take uh, Frankie Monet seriously. You know, uh, this is someone you want to watch, and uh, I really like their presentation of her. Uh, so far, before she even stepped in the ring, they, do, they they've done a good job of letting you know, like with the uh, involvement with Gonzalez, and then you know coming out and uh, making her entrance here. I thought that they've been doing a really good job of presenting her as important from the beginning. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, we see the Gala del Fantasma and talk about MSK, but it's mostly Chump and Timmy Thatcher say that they can go back of the line. And Thatcher says, "Hell, El Gato no tiene zapatos," which is the cat has no shoes. Uh, Legave <laughs> says that makes no sense. And Jump says, yes, it does. It means challenge accepted. Uh, and now we go to a video package from Elite of Cameron Grimes arriving at the building, telling someone to be his valet. The guy tosses his keys to Jay Catless, says no, only Ted Debiossi gets a valet for his parking spot. So Grimes says he'll beat him up in the ring tonight. And we go to a commercial. And when we come back, Candice Ray and Indy Artwell are having a spa day. They have a cucumber facials on, so they don't realise Dexter Loomis is the one giving them the massages. <laughs> Although he leaves in disgrace after Hartwell agrees with Ray that he's such a loser. Oh, that's a poor guy. I mean, is this the end of Index? I mean, this is just brilliant, isn't it? You know, like... <laughs> oh, man, it's so well done. I do have a lot of questions about, you know, d- does he go through the hiring process at this massage parlor, parlor or does he... You know, I don't know. You know, I don't know if you play video games, but you know, Hitman. Uh, I like the the Hitman video game series, and in that series, the agent can dress up in many different ways to t- to take out his target. So uh, it's just a. I imagine you know, I imagine him dressing up in as a masseuse and just <laughs> taking out uh, some you know some poor masseuse just got choked out. <laughs> Well, yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna open up a cupboard. They're gonna open up the cupboard. And you're gonna have a couple of masseuses who fall out. He was put to sleep right. while stroking them. Check you know, his, like <laughs> exactly. Check on this unnamed masseuse who was probably unconscious <laughs> in a closet somewhere. You know, but anyway, yeah, I, this is brilliant. And uh, oh my goodness, the way Indy is se- the way Indy is selling this, she believes. In what they're having her doing right now, and you can just tell, and I, I love it. You can, t- I love it when you can see the performer enjoying what they're doing, and like I think she's just she's tackled this character, and like she she really is into it, and I love I love her presentation so far, and even even Candice with you know, and uh and how they 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 presented her as still kind of like a motherly figure trying to protect Indy, but at the same time you know doing it in such a shady you know the way way so yeah i i I, I really like this segment it was brilliant you know but the thing is and people have been quite hard on nxt recently and then once you try and defend it or say something else people say oh well you're just you know you're just as bad as everybody else kind of thing but my thing is with this is that you know wrestling or not whatever it is i think if you look at dexter loomis and indy hartwell 
Uh, all I ask is that a wrestler gives 100%. Just buy into this gimmick 100%. You look at the best wrestlers in the history of the world, they bought into themselves, you know, from Stone Cold or The Rock or wherever it is. And you look at what Cameron Grimes is giving. This is something we've appreciated the past year of him being given this character, and we knew that he's going to give everything he's got to it. The same with Dexter Loomis, the same with The Way. And the reason why it's so entertaining is because they are fully behind it, and even though it is funny, they it's still serious in a way if you know what i mean like, I, I can't quite explain but i would rather watch that than someone giving it half assed in the gimmick you know agreed you know at the end of the day it is entertainment you can say we can dress it up however we want i love professional wrestling i understand you know some people hate the term sports entertainment or whatever it is you want to call it but even in even in professional wrestling i find professional wrestling as a science i find that entertaining and even some of this stuff the characters the story at the end of the day is about telling a good story, and like you said, it, if you're gonna get that story across, and if you want people to believe in what you're presenting, the people who are you know playing these characters has to be a hundred percent in it. You know what I mean? I I, I agree a hundred percent, especially when it comes to somebody like Loomis, because I don't know how you could keep a straight face and play his character without b- believing that you are who you are presenting on my screen because it's impossible sometimes with some of the things he's just asked to just, you know, stand blank, <laughs> stand and stare <laughs> blank through. Like, I don't see how you can not bust out laughing when Indy Hartwell runs out screaming something, you know, and doing some of the thing. But like, again, like you said, it's that total investment into their characters. And that's why it works. This is the thing. And he's a baby face. And the reason it shouldn't work, but people <laughs> <laughs> It's like we talk about he's, you know, knocking off masseurs to, to, to stalk a woman. <laughs> but but exactly. the fact is, we we bought into it. And if he was playing it kind of any other way, it wouldn't. We would say, oh, this is. But I, I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying, it, especially, like you know, what we've got coming up as well. Just it's for me. It's just yeah. if you don't. And I get this voice made with people go, well, funny doesn't equal money. But it's it's entertaining. And that's like you said is is what it's about is to watch a two hour show after twenty hours of wrestling in a week and be do you know what that's a little bit different because I'm actually finding it quite funny you know exactly exactly well anyway so we spent too much on that point we'll move on to this sends us <laughs> to a video package preview in the Carrying Cross versus Finn Balor rematch next week we see Heyman and McAfee as talking heads and then we move on to Cameron Grimes versus Jake Atlas. And he says, everybody thinks it's funny that Ted DiBiase keeps embarrassing Cameron Grimes, but wait until you see the real Ted DiBiase hit it. Then Grimes throws a video package on screen. DiBiase being handed his ass time <laughs> after time in vintage number of skits. He gets pinned by Virgil. He gets slot phoned him and so on and so on. Did you watch this and think, God, they did bury that million dollar man sometimes, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you look at that reel, it makes you wonder. It's like... Did he ever end up prevailing at the end of any of those? Like, we, we, I know he got he won up some people time to time and definitely embarrassed a lot of fans. But <laughs> the way that reel was edited, it would just have you believe that he'd spent a lot of time paying for his character. <laughs> and, so, thing, and then it's like, did you win a belt? Oh, yeah, I bought one myself. You know, right. so, well, that's not really the same, is it? <laughs> Doesn't really count. Yeah. <laughs> Agree, man. Agree. Like, and that's exactly what it is. As a matter of fact, if you don't, if you're a kid or you're younger and you didn't get a chance to check out, you know how good he was in the ring. Like, you may believe that Teddy Ross is just some, you know, some jobber 
who created that job, was so uh, bad, he had to create his own belt. He's just a exactly. wacky job. Made RVD kiss his feet a couple of times. Like, you know, this <laughs> is just weird, weird dudes. Like, anyway, we see back to the match. Atlas getting planted on the crossbar start celebrating but Dibiossi's music interrupts a million dollar man walks out to the top of the ramp smiling and laughing he said I'm right here big boy and sure enough Atlas rolls him up for the pin Dibiossi's laughs at the clown as he should Grime chases Dibiossi's limo outside Dibiossi mocks him again and the limo driver pulls away before our commercial the winner of the contest is Jake Atlas what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I thought it was uh, you know well done the match was you know was what it was I don't, I don't think that uh, this was about the wrestling Per se, as much as it was about advancing the, the DiBiase, uh, Cameron Grimes rivalry, which is hilarious in my, uh, it, just saying it to myself <laughs> when I think about it, that DiBiase uh, a rivalry at this point. But yeah, uh, I thought you know it it, it accomplished the goal, you know, because at this point I think before this they've only been doing you know backstage bits and you know certain things, and, you know, but it was nice to finally get to see. DiBiase come out there and kind of get the last laugh in this uh, retrospect. And then it was cool for Jake Atlas, too, uh, you know, for someone who, in my opinion, who, uh, who has a lot of talent and has uh, room to grow also. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's nice for him to get that victory or to get that position, even if it was a little cheap. Uh, not even a little cheap, you know, do, totally due to Ted DiBiase. But either way it goes, uh, I thought it, it disaccomplished this goal, and that at, sometimes that's what you need. Sometimes it's not about the wrestling, not about having a 30-minute, you know, spot fest or whatever it is, you know, or or grappling contest. Sometimes it's about just, you know, putting two guys out there and uh, achieving the goal of of advancing the story. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and look, I've put the notes at the time and say, like, they have an end game. I mean, either Grimes is christened the Millions of the Man or a new one fused with Grimes. And of course, we'll see what happens as NXT update continues. But as I put here as a note before I ranted earlier, uh, Cameron will give a hundred thing. And then we see a video package where Bronson Reed promises to make 14 years of blood, sweat, and tears worth it to his wife tonight. I, I, ho- I think he means in the main event, not later. But then again, we never know. The Pete Dunn interview segment. Uh, I love how angry Pete Dunn is at all time. Uh, he asks uh, Pete Dunn about his future goals. He says, I used to be someone that sets goals, but now I just take opportunities as they come. It's time to go after the NXT title. I'd be lying if it wasn't glaring the obvious thing for me. Right, I've conquered the UK, and now I'm here in the finest time to conquer the US. Uh, what I say about Pete Dunne is one thing I, I'm quite interested in, and he said it outside of this as well. well he doesn't want to be defined by his UK title run, and and for me that's kind of how why I love Pete Dunne so much, holding the title, uh, you know, for nearly two years of that. But is he right? Does he need to kind of get away from that to kind of not just be marked with the, you know, that's the guy who had the long title run in NXT UK? I, I think it's time. I think it's time for him to either, you know, like like he mentioned, you know, go, getting finally getting over the NXT championship, you know, hump and winning that or, you know, something, you know, main roster related, anything else. You know, I do think after a while it is what have you done for me lately? And he's had great matches and great performances. Don't get me wrong, uh, you know, since that reign. But again, I think a lot of times it's hard to think it's hard to think of Pete Dunne without thinking about that reign. Now, I still, you know, until, of course, you know, Walter, you know, took over the way he has. And that's another reason why, because it, it used to be Pete Dunne's face whenever I thought of the NXT UK title. Now there's no way you can think of that belt without thinking about Walter. So 
you know, when you think about it that way and you think about how Walter's reign have not overshadowed because I'd be doing uh, Pete Dunne a disservice because he had a very impressive and lengthy reign that deserved all deserved the respect it received. But it's time for Pete Dunne to do, you know, like, again, to accomplish something else, to maybe get another lengthy reign at another, you know, of another title. You know, I can understand as a performer not being not wanting to just be known or attached to my to that one reign. You know, you want to be attached as just a great wrestler in general, not just uh, the the best of NXT UK or one of the best of NXT UK. So uh, I, I definitely under like I like that also that that is expressed from his character on television that, you know, that he wants. It's time for something new, time for Pete Dunne to, to show and also back up a lot of his claims. He's been saying he's the toughest you know, guy in NXT for a long time now, or at least for at least it feels like a long time. He's been he's been claiming to be the toughest. So it's time for him to go out there and you know the the best way to prove it is by you know finally winning the NXT championship. But I I definitely think it's time for something new uh, when it comes to his character. Well, that's what we'll get on to. But first, just say that with Pete Dunne, the Vulture's title reign is like Darth Vader, right? That's how I compare. <laughs> Walter is Vader, Great but point. the thing the, the thing is with Dunn is it his title reign built, built a brand, and it's fact I can review NXT UK every month now thanks to what he started, and I can see wrestlers that I saw locally to me, which is kind of I know people in America will go, well, oh, we see guys that all the time, but in Britain it wasn't the case like that, you know, and to, to be able to have a show that focuses on these, I mean. Just had a, a, you know, they've got Kaylee Ray, Miko Satamora match as well. Uh, right, of course, we're right. going to look at, and it's built from kind of what Pete Dunne has done. But do you think the character of Pete Dunne, you know, the character of I'm the baddest man, he goes in the ring and he kicks the shit out of you. How is that a bad guy? Like, does he need some, I'm not saying like a gimmick. I'm not saying like come out with a cloak, but like, does right. he need to maybe change it up a little bit just to get to that next level himself? I think, I think either that or they need to, partner him up with uh, another or uh, someone that is hard to hate. And I'm not saying Finn Balor was, uh, or that is, you know, is like, I think Finn Balor is a good example of someone who's hard to hate, but he's still a little edgy in his character too. But if you put him in the ring and let him rough up a couple, you know, like I, I'm not saying he needs a feud with Drake Maverick, but someone like a Drake Maverick who you can't do nothing but have sympathy for while he's in there <laughs> getting tortured. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe more situations like that. I remember, you know, feeling like, OK, you know, uh, again, though, it's still hard. It's really hard with Pete Dunne because, like you said, he's so not only is he not only does his wrestling style back up what he claims, he's unique with that wrestling style. It's not like any other heel on on NXT when he does it, like, uh, like when he wrestles the way he wrestles. So it's hard to not look at him and be like, you know, he's he, he's everything he claims. And you know, a lot of times that's what happens when you are a bad guy. The anti, the best, some of the best anti-heroes, no matter if it's wrestling or film, whatever it is, uh, you understand where they're coming from as the as the evil bad guy. So that's how you end up rooting for it. You know, so I think that's something that as a character is hard with when you when you're claiming he's is the baddest man, and then you watch him in the ring breaking fingers and being more vicious than anyone else. Like for example, they present Cross. As the bad, as probably the baddest man, and he, and you know, of course, with his record, he, you know, it's hard to argue that. But with the wrestling style, how can you look at what Pete does and not say he is almost more dangerous than Cross the way he fights? If you see what I'm saying, <laughs> you know what I mean? So 
I, I understand how hard it, it could be because I watch these matches sometimes as much as I try to, I don't, like you said, I don't get angry at them. I'm, I'm more just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there's not a Pete Dunn match that I've watched that I've not enjoyed. And it's due to the style. We kind of the British infusion to it as well, but it's not boring. It's not a Randy Orton sleeper hold for 10 right. or 15 minutes. Type. It's and even the submission and everything that he does. And I think, that's a certain style from the UK as well that he's got. But like you said, it's it's all there, but it just maybe needs something else <clears throat> just to yeah. kind of reach kind of, you know, where he needs to go. Uh, but uh, of course, we're going to have The more. best bad guys ever have always had that guy, that, that baby face or someone that the people believed in to help them also. And I think that's what he's missing, that, that, that next rival that could, you know, people could get behind and then watch Pete you know, tear him down limb by limb and just, you know, yeah. tug at your heartstrings while it's going on. I don't know who that could be, but I'm just saying, I think that'll, that'll help Pete get over even more, even more as a... Well, again, I'm not diving into fantasy booking, but that'd be an excellent storyline with Cross if it was over a couple of month period of, of done like systematically just breaking down bits and bits of arm and it's like a robot, you know, taking the arm, taking the leg, and then when he finally gets to take over, just the whole robot just falls apart, you know, and Dunn's yeah. kind of done six, size six of it. So how do you beat a monster like Cross? Well, that's what he's done so to speak. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, like said, we'll move on from that. And Alexander Wolf was finally cleared to compete against Killian Dane. Little did he know. But anyway, we've got the match and uh, Drake Maverick accompanies Dane to the ring, but he's still afraid of four horsemen style beatdown. Wolf eats a massive German suplex and Marcel Barfell slides a stool chair into the ring. Ref tries to take the chair away and attract Wolf gets leveled by Dane for the pin. Maverick jumps on his back to celebrate as Dane looks down as an opponent. Um, I mean, this was barely a massive, it was almost a squash. And the horseman beatdown isn't for Drake Maverick. It's for Alexander Wolf. But I fell on Fabian Eitler, give him the Imperium bomb and strike a pose afterwards. Uh, I was shocked at this because we talked about NXT UK just a second ago. Imperium and especially Alexander Wolf's kind of been like the veteran in the group holding it all together. I was shocked that they broke up at this point in time. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't know what to think. You know, of course, not too long after this. Uh, I, we we got more information, but yeah, it was definitely a shocking thing. I figured it was coming because I think either the week before this or at least before this match, they kind of looked at each other after he walked off and kind of teased this that maybe it's some dissension there, or maybe Wolf, you know, cares too much about Dane and that's the reason why you should, you know, let him go or whatever. But uh, yeah, still a, a very shocking moment nonetheless. The match, you know, it was what it was, but. It was all about that that beat down at the end, and I'm not sure what do you think this means for uh, you know Imperium going forward here because I I honestly didn't you know I had no clue what that meant for them right when it happened. I actually wrote that down. <laughs> well, the, the, the thing is, I, I actually hopefully wrote down. Hopefully, we'll get Wolf, Maverick, and Dane versus Imperium. But whilst Volta is the dominant champion in NXT UK, you've got Eichner and Barthel here. It's not a proper stable, and it's kind of not the past year and a half. You know, the, the four guys haven't been together for a very long time. So I, the kind of only thing holding this together is Volta. And I don't know if they're going to add members. I think if they, they want to expand the group, maybe, uh, or they might just go separate ways, because no offence to Imperium, but I don't think Volta needs them. When eventually, if he ever drops the, you know, the championship... He's going to come over to NXT and he's going to be straight in the main event and he's not going to need Barfell and, and uh, physically, you know? 
I, I agree 100. percent I don't. That's that's the one thing about Imperium is as nice as I think it all goes together, especially with the theme music and all of them walking together. I, I I know they've been dominant together for a long time, but you know it's. I agree. And everyone knows that they go as Walter goes. As soon as he, I, I honestly, I've been thinking about this too. I don't know if this is what everyone else is thinking, but you know, as soon as that title is dropped. If we can't get a cross versus Walter experience at some point, you know, whether it's over the belt or whether it's not, you know, I, man, we'll be really missing out on something that I think that could be special, especially the way they're both being built oh, as so Jesus. unbeatable right now. But uh, as far as the rest of Imperium goes, I always figured, I always felt that way, even when in that that recent NXT tag team title run, you know, without without all of them at full strength. Something was missing there. You know, the the work, the in ring work has always been great from everyone involved. But you know, without you know, like you said, Volta, even when Wolf wasn't around, it was a lot. It was a, you know something there. It's just missing. So, like you said, I don't know if they're just gonna go their separate ways and you know, Volta would you know appear later in NXT alone or you know from now on alone. But uh, you know, like again, again, this moment accomplished the goal and. With finding out what we found out after this, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know, every, I think this, you know, everything that needed to be done was done. <laughs> well, I think about that. And Volta versus uh, Cross Match, we gotta be Godzilla versus King Kong as well. But uh, we'll we'll move on. We see a backstage interview with Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez because I said I beat Mercedes and I've no problem with telling her I respect her. Kai said, oh, on the other hand, would have kicked her head off. Ever-Rise interrupts as Kai is trying to explain where they go for the women's tag team title again. Gonzalez says, who are you? They put a banner for their show, Ever-Rise Live, and Gonzalez slaps his shit out whichever one was mouthing off to her. Oh, the poor young bucks getting treated like that, eh? I mean, come on. Oh, my goodness. But first of all, by the way, the one who got hit is an idiot because he literally begged for it. He was like, you want to take a shot at me? Or do you really think she won't? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was bigger than him and he had the nerve to think that she wouldn't pop him in the face oh he got what he deserved got what he deserved <laughs> well she slapped bear she slapped bears that walked by her so you know what i mean like she doesn't care who you are or how big you are uh but anyway move on to the next match chamasa champa and timmy thatcher versus the garden del fantasma uh champa and thatcher have matching gear and their own titles on team video now or maybe i'm just noticing the gear in the entrance video for the first time i'm not sure how long they've had that, but obviously they are a team now. We see Thatcher can get involved conventionally, so he had to run into the match during the commotion. Grizzly Young Veterans blasted Chump on the apron. They set up Legado del Fantasma to take the win with their tag team finisher. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one? I thought the match was great. I thought uh, what Legado did was very, very smart. You know, if you're going to fight these two tough guys, you're going to have to definitely keep one of them away because they're just. You know, that's another thing. I love how dangerous together I just believe, even with them, with their limited experience together, I just know with not only the presentation of Ciampa over the years, but even with the, the I don't know, I, I guess it's been a little over a year now that Thatcher has been on NXT television, and he's always been presented as one tough, you know, dangerous bastard, and I think they, they work. That's why I like that's what I like the most about their team is that they are presented as dangerous bastards and they wrestle like dangerous bastards. As a matter of fact, that's probably my tag team name name for them, Dangerous Bastards. <laughs> Danger. <Anyway>. Well, <laughs> I, I am. You know what? That is going to be the official name now, I think, because uh, <laughs> we talk about 
Last is going against the Grizzled Young Vets uh, coming up as well. Uh, we talk about Legado del Fantasma. Though. In recent weeks, they've actually seemed like a bigger deal. And getting a victory over the Dangerous Bastards is, you know, quite a big deal, isn't it? You know, I agree. I think uh, their presentation, again, uh, all three of the, the entire faction have been presented beautifully. I, I, at first, I thought that they were going, you know, more leaning towards just presenting Santos as a way. But after focusing on his cruiserweight title reign and giving him, you know, the, the, the balls, per se, you know, and letting him run as the leader, I think not only his elevation has elevated those two, and they're, they're low-key, like we say, you know, they may not get a lot of, you know, press about it, but their match input, you know, when they get a chance, even when it was in the tag team tournament against Lucha House Party or whatever, I really enjoy when they're in the ring. So uh, I agree 100%. Legato has definitely improved, and, like, they just feel more important as, as the weeks have gone back. Yeah, I think without a doubt. And then uh, we see someone talk about who didn't know what was going on with the weeks gone by, Bobby Fish, who uh, is finally turned on his TV and knows what's going on. And he was explaining his actions last week, saying, I'm back now, you know, and that means that there's a debt to be paid. And I can't think of a better place to start than with Pete Dunne. Uh, you claim me all the match that nobody wants, and I find that funny because the only match I'm interested in, turn up next week because the business for you and I, I'm going to finish it. I mean, Bobby's arm looked gnarly. I will say that. Uh, what are your thoughts on Bobby Fish versus Pete Dunn coming up? Uh, I thought I thought Bobby Fish uh, looked insane, and not not because uh, and and of course I understand it was a history. They they are the reason for his injury, you know, kayfabe wise or whatever. I'm not sure if they actually hurt him. You know, I don't know. Maybe it was a particular. I think it, yeah. I think they did it. Yeah. It makes sense now that I look back on, uh, think back to my head. But anyway, besides that, uh, we understand that, you know, it's revenge for the injury. But I must say that the way Pete Dunn has been literally begging for people to come for him, that's not the first person I want to challenge when I'm coming off a major surgery. I don't care if he's hurt me in the first place. I just feel pretty stupid trying to fight someone like him who literally enjoys the, the Pete Dunn and Timothy Thatcher are the two guys you do not want to fight coming off an of injury. They literally like breaking limbs. This is what they want to do. This is their goal. Uh, you know, breaking limbs, hurting phalanges in Pete's case. So, like... Well, they, you can just imagine... You can imagine the conversation, can't you? You know, it's like <laughs> in a match, and Fish is like, right, whatever you do, Pete, don't touch my left arm because it really... <laughs> I'm just going to... Dunn's like, thanks, mate, and then just like rips it off, <laughs> hits him over the head with it. You know, that's that, that exactly. kind of thing. You're playing right into his game. And that's that's the only problem I had with it, even though I understand it from a storytelling aspect. Uh, we get a Darwin Mind promo, then we go back to the spa, and Candice Ray credit card is declined. Hartwell and Ray try to blame it on Austin Theory ordering pizzas. The clerk says there was an unpaid charge. This is great detail. As well, the clerk says it was an unpaid charge from three weeks ago from a florist. Hartwell puts two and two together, realizing that the flowers sent to Shotzi and Ember Moon by Loomis didn't come from Loomis, they came from the Ray. And then you know what that means? He still loves me. He still loves me. And she runs off excited as the Ray looks disgusted that her ruse has been exposed. Index is alive. Yes, index is definitely. Oh man, Belle Phoenix reaction, <laughs> the excitement in her voice when she when when she saw how happy Indy was was uh, it, it made me happy. By the way, uh, but, oh my god. Uh, 
uh, I must say, like you you point out, I don't think this is the only thing I have to say. Candace was not mad enough for the detailed <laughs> investigation into why her car was declined. That is not how I've ever remembered it ever working. I've had my car, to, you know, not work or decline before in the past, and I don't remember them ever giving me a detail. <laughs> no, no, I had that. I had that in the restaurant. Oh, in the restaurant, I was there. They went, "Sorry, sir, you can't pay for your meal." Why? This Swedish penis pump that you ordered <laughs> a month. Oh, ruined the work office meal. I will tell you. <laughs> Exactly, like, oh man, I'm sorry, you're, you know, you're fifty dollar uh, browser subscription. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you really been giving it up on OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, your like, Pornhub premium really gone up recently. <laughs> God, <laughs> what are you doing, man? Like, how do I not want to? How did Candace not want to choke the lady out <laughs> for going into really this detail right in front of me? Like, what are you exactly. doing? And you've ruined the christening. That's what you've done here. <laughs> That's what you've done. Uh, anyway, we see Austin Theory um, with Johnny Gagano. He says he's untouchable. As we see the way hand signed. Then we get a liar, or nymph, as she was known, with Robert Stone and Jesse Kamir versus Sarai. Uh, Jessica Kamir drags to Sarai to, uh, early to allow a liar to land a few impressive strikes against the Warrior of the Sun. Got a hand strike caught a liar with a missile drop kick and a running drop kick into the ropes that set the victory off a modified Saito suplex. What were your thoughts on this? I, I, like I said, I'm, at first I was going to say something about Aaliyah, but I think I feel like every time she's on the show, I have I disrespect her and I don't want to do that because you know she I, I don't want to do I was just about to do it on accident, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this match uh, was what it was. It was another one of those displays for Sarai and let everyone know uh, what she what she can do. The only problem is, okay, all right, I tried. You can't anytime you fight a lead, we pretty much know what to happen. It's hard to keep it's hard to keep your attention. <laughs> It's like I try, it's, I try to focus on what's going on, but it's like all right, Aaliyah's gonna you know maybe she'll get one move. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what happened. I watched this match and I was just trying to sit count. How many moves of offense Aaliyah got in in this match? And I think I only saw like three. <laughs> was that that was? I think that was pretty tame. That wasn't disrespectful, right? No, no, that that's fine. That's fine. We'll move on, and we see Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon say they're going to be back for the title before you know it. Ember Moon said we're going to be TCB, and Black said we're Ember's Law, baby, uh, and that's what she said. But Hit Row in action next, and we get Hit Row versus Tony Nice and Davari. And we've talked—I think we talked about Tony Nice being a great, great athlete, but just having Mister No Personality whatsoever. Yeah. But anyway, we see all four members of the row pose at the top of the ramp for swagging away to the ring. Uh, it forms us that Shanti, Leah Donis, and Top Dollar AJ Francis will be the men in action. Top Dollar powers Sam Tavari while flipping Tony Nice off his shoulders. Yes, I said that right. And then Adonis lost control in this match. Talking smack and beating down Tavari until he'll be pulled away by Dollar, who finished the match with a fireman's carry suplex. Hit Row made their statement after focusing on his eyes for Scott's desire to be NXT North American champion. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? I thought this was a great uh, way to... Uh established, you know, mostly top dollar, but, you know, hit row as a, as a team, you know, I'm pretty sure that Adonis and uh, top dollar will be the, the tag team uh, representative for uh, hit row for now. If, if you want to even consider this uh, a full fledged, you know, they're, they're pretty much a faction. I think this is a great way of establishing them in the tag division. 
you know, the match, it, you know, only thing I have to say about the match, or like you said, poor Tony Nice, even DeVar, like those guys are not jobber level talent if you've watched them in the ring before. I think they, they've had great matches, you know, not only on 205 Live, but like not like it recently probably, you know, I don't watch 205 Live, not no, I'm not the only one in there. <laughs> no the, one does. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anyone who really, I don't know anyone who's checking for 205 Live, unfortunately, for those guys. But I think we all know there's a lot of talent, a lot of guys who are really good on 205 Live. And Tony Nice and Davari are, are a couple of those guys. But the thing is, I think this is mostly about getting top dollars, some reps, and showing off what he could do. Uh, because even in this match, uh, Ashanti Adonis uh, just. You know, he was, I don't know, he's he's obviously going to be the bump guy for them going forward, uh, even though, you know, I don't know, I think he's okay, but I haven't really watched much of Donis over, as time went by. But Top Dollar was the star here, and, uh, you know, we'll see what else in the tag division hit row will be able to do going forward. Yeah, I, did, I like hit row. I will say about Top Dollar, I personally, I hate, I hate former American football players becoming wrestlers most of the time because yeah of the fact that it's their second third fourth choice you know it's the lair yeah. i want to be a wrestler oh big man anything like this like mojo rawley is a guy i hated for many a year and you know i wasn't that well he's you know but like i say it's, it's just <laughs> it, it's one of those things where i just i don't know but the jury will be out with him because like i said it is for a big man for his first couple of matches wherever it was he was impressive spots but as you said, there's no way Davari and Nice uh, should be treated like that. But we move on to our main event. Johnny Gagano, the North American champion versus Bronson Reed in a steel cage match. And we see Johnny wrestling diving for the exit immediately. But Reed caught him. We see the cross one brutalized Gagano slamming his next North American champion. And he took over when he tripped Reed off the top rope. Fury tried to help from the outside, but the cross one was too resilient. Reed planted the champion with a second rope Samoan drop. In response, Gagano hit a top rope powerbomb. This set him up to start crawling to the exit where Fury nearly pulled him free. Fury grabs the door and sent hard into the cage wall for its effort. Garno found an open for Poison Rana to stop a one final beat, but Reed countered and knocked him into the cage. Fury slammed the door in Reed's face, sending him creeping back into the one final beat for the near fall. Garno tried a top rope powerbomb for his trouble, and after Fury got involved again, Reed changed plans and hit a springboard splash into the tsunami to win. What were your thoughts on this incredible main event? It's just like you just said, it was a great, great match. Incredible stuff from both guys. I thought it was a, you know, a great culmination to the story that they've been telling with Bronson Reed kind of off and on since that ladder match or since before that ladder match uh, at a takeover last year. I don't know which one it was, but it was the big North American championship ladder match that they all had. And Bronson was so close to winning at that time. So I was really happy that he finally got over the hump and, you know, was able to you know, claim this title and in just great fashion. These guys, I wasn't really expecting anything less as far as the quality of the match. You know, not only has Reed shown that he can perform great in these spots, but we all know what Gargano can do. And that's the ring general. I figured, and, and a steel cage involved. I figured this would be really good. I, I loved how, uh, you know, the, the colossal champion looked, you know, not only would, would he not be stopped in the typical babyface fashion with theory, you know, button in, but he also uh, just at, at every turn, even though Gargano had his great, very, very smart moments and it looked like Gargano could still win it, 
at every turn, you just knew that it was nothing that was going to stop Reed on this night. And I thought that was the overall story that they told. And that tsunami at the end, I, I all I know is that I wonder, what do you think when you're in Gargano's position and you just land there, you know, hope, you know, waiting for this guy <laughs> to jump from the top of the cage? You know, and I know he's a professional. He's, he's going to protect you. But, man, that has got to be a terrifying th- sight. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, is that a piano? Oh no, shit! Like, you know, like, <laughs> that kind of, and then, like I said, it was brilliant. And Austin Fury flopping around at ringside, being a dickhead that he is. You know, Johnny Gagano yeah. being the 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 Bret Hart of NXT, shall we say? Do you know what I mean? As a consistent worker, and Bronson Reed with, yeah. I will say, hints and of uh, Keith Lee. Of that kind of the big guy you can kind of get behind because NXT with the kind of big badass baby faces, they kind of right. don't really come around that often. And I think like, well, you know, we can get behind Reed now uh, and see where he can go because, like I said, I was really happy. And it's not like he's someone that I've gone, oh, this is some guy I'm watching. It's just the story into it and the match kind of caught me in the moment. And I thought now I'm interested to see where this is going to go now. You know. Uh- I agree. I think as long like when you have a, a, you know, that's the great thing about long term storytelling and booking and just like when you're watching the show and you see how someone evolve and, you know, like a guy who you, you like or he's really good in the ring and you just see time and time again, he comes up short or something happens, injury, something, you know, gets in the way. And, you know, finally he gets over that hump. And then it's against someone like Gargano, who has been, you know, a, like, like just really good like of course i don't care you know some people have a problem with uh like you said how much he can make you laugh as a heel but he has been so obnoxious also and so reasonably such such an asshole let's just be honest that it, it was perfect you know to have someone like reed be the one to knock him down and you know take the belt from him. And, it, and it's crazy to me when you think about it because like you said usually historically speaking bronson reed should I remember back in the day, big guys were, were were not supposed to be able to get sympathy, especially when you're going against someone that small, or uh, that much smaller than you. And that, that that just shows you how good they are, how good Gargano is as a wrestler, but also as a character to where, you know, you're rooting for the guy who probably isn't the underdog, even though he still feels like the underdog because he hasn't been able to get over that hump. So I, it's just a great, great storytelling in this match. Yeah, and the thing is about uh, Johnny Wrestling as well, the thing of Gagano himself is that we have seen every version of uh, a person that we can in NXT with Gagano, wherever it will be, kind of the goofiest comedy character in the world to the most serious of hills, you know, because, uh, you, you know, that feud with Chump, he went elsewhere in that one to kind of right. get the job done, you know, like, so we've seen him kind of be a killer. We've seen him being technical, you know, with the Gagano escape and all this. So even when he first joined kind of, you know, 205 live and the cruiserweight, but it's just each character he can do heel or face. And it's just like, we should bow down to it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I think we realize how good he is at this point in time. Yeah, I agree. Like you mentioned, he's able to get over as, as a serious heel. He's able to make you laugh. He's able to show off his smarts. He's able to uh, get really, he was really great at getting sympathy from us all, especially in that original DIY, uh, DIY feud. Uh, you know, just like he's so he's 
always loved him as a baby face and how he's great at getting sympathy, great at doing awesome things. And he had his own story that, you know, again, depending on how long you've been watching, you know that Gargano is a perfect uh, person to be a gatekeeper in that situation because he was in the same boat uh, in many of his title uh, chases earlier in his NXT career, kind of similar to the way I loved how Daniel Bryan was the guy standing in front of Kofi's way because he was literally faced in a similar, you know, a uh, similar situation years prior with, you know, guys like Randy Orton, Triple H, Batista being in his way. So it's just, I love storytelling like that when it's a guy who went overcame, you know, the odds him themselves, but now has been corrupted by being so good for so long to where they're trying to stop other young talent. And, you know, it's just a great revolving story. If you think about it and something you can always do. So I, I, I think that it was just all good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Now we got to the news in WWE released Alexander Wolf, Skyler Story, and as the judge uh, reporting budget cuts. And then also uh, we got a report from Mike Johnson, the PW Insider, that Jasmine Duke and Vanessa Bourne let go. So the news, like I said, provides some context of what happened on Tuesday. But I mean, pretty fucking harsh to uh, break up from Imperium one night and be released the next day. But Alexander Wolf said, just for the record, my contract for WWE expired on June 15th. That means I'm a free agent by June 16th. I have a lot in my head right now, so let's keep it short. Thank you, NXT, for six years. Bye-bye. Uh, it's a talk about going out the back door, you know. Did he deserve better? Oh, man. I, honestly, everyone, uh, you know, it's hard. it's hard to say how much better he deserved with so many people who've been thrown to the wayside, but the entire sanity deserved better, if we're being honest. Overall, if you just remember their run as together as sanity, they deserve, like, whether you want to say in WWE in general, they all deserve better. Like, even currently now with the stuff they're doing, Nikki Cross. I love Nikki Cross a little bit too much to be excited that she's surviving two minutes with Rhea Ripley. Like, she's deserved better than that, if you want to be honest about what you're seeing on television a lot of time. Eric Young deserved better than that. You know, Alexander Wolf definitely, in my opinion, like, not only what he did in Sanity, but with his run in Imperium. And like you said, being that veteran presence. You know, he wasn't, like I said, the, I'm not going to act like he was wrestling Matt class, Classics all the time or whatever, like, but he was a part of a lot of things that, that were genuinely entertaining when it comes to NXT. So it, it sucked that, you know, he just kind of get beat down and then, you know, now he's gone. And, you know, it, man, I, it, that place has become such a revolving door at times to where it's hard to just really gauge how much certain guys deserve because there's so many people who deserve a lot uh, or at least seem like they, they've worked hard enough to, to be awarded certain things that they're not when it comes to WWE as a whole, much less uh, people like, you know, uh, and people in NXT, uh, you know. It, yeah, but I agree. I think he definitely deserved uh, more. Killian Dane, sometimes I wonder, as much as I've, I enjoy the stuff he does with Drake, he could be so much bigger, you know, if presented a certain way. You know, we talk about Bronson Reed as a baby, as a big, you know, baby face, you know, type of thing. But Killian Dane could work as a monster in a monster type of role. He can work as a baby face. Like he deserves a lot also, in the, you know, if you think about it. So the entire sanity you know, I think they missed a huge opportunity with or missing or and currently is missing huge opportunities with, uh, with that talent. 
Yeah, I completely agree. Someone that did deserve to get released like, was Drake Verts, who was uh, fired after having apparently nuclear heat. We spoke about everything that he was saying uh, beforehand on the last NXT update. And um, I, it's just, there was numerous instances in higher-ups, and apparently Verts had problems with people of colour as well, uh, people mm-hmm. about religions, and it was aggressive about stuff. I mean... What a piece of shit, you know? (laughs) I can't just, it's just what good riddance to bad rubbish, you know? I agree 100%, man. Good riddance. You know, you don't need any of that. It's hard enough as it is navigating, you know, not only the wrestling business, but just life in general. You don't need energy like that. You don't need people like that, uh, you know, with outdated mind states and with, you know, just spewing out ignorance like you said and then causing disarray backstage you are a referee like you you are the last person who should be <laughs> you know you're getting, the quiet one yeah right like why how could what, how i that's not i will say that a referee with that much heat i don't know I'm, i don't know if i ever heard of this before you know uh, a referee generating heat like that so that's how you know he has to be an asshole you know from that position and you still you know have an ego to that retrospective where you feel like your opinion trumps everyone else's or whatever, you know, it, it, yeah, it's insane. It's insane. But, you know, well, good riddance and goodbye. Like you said, let's, uh, you know, enough about the racists. Now on to the potential pedophiles. Uh, Velveteen <laughs> Dream was apparently <laughs> released on Thursday as part of the ongoing cuts of NXT brand. Of course, coming through at the age of 19. And, uh, I mean, again, a couple of years ago when everybody was saying, he was going to be the kind of next big thing. I always think potential is a horrible thing. I didn't think it was going to end exactly like this. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the Velveteen Dream, who dropped the ball in his entire career, didn't he, really? Yeah, man, just what, like you said, Miz, we talk, we talk about Miz opportunities. Like, he had it as far as, like, the, the character and the uniqueness. He had a look. You know, his promos, I, I didn't necessarily... Uh, think he was the greatest promo but he, they weren't bad at all his in-ring work you know i don't even want to get started on that but yeah he and then his explanation i don't know if you saw that or whatever i heard about basically his explanation for what actually went on and how he's trying to protect kayfabe and it's just i don't understand how you thought the character you were playing is more important than protecting your own you know your personal name value and who you are and your character as a person when i'm if i'm accused of anything like that immediately i'm i gotta come to my own defense i can't you know screw the character you know at the end of the day we all love wrestling we understand you know how how it works so we would understand if you took one, you know, one section, six, you know, one time, just a little time out of your day to not be Velveteen Dream and explain what happened or explain what's actually going on. But, you know, we never got that. And now post-release, after this has already ruined your career, now you want to explain it. It's just, oh, man, I, like I said, it was, it's, it's sad when you think about, like, how talented he was. But, you yeah. know, based on what he was accused of, if this was overdue, Yes. We really want to be, yeah. you know, what was going on. He, This was overdue. And, you know, he was lucky to last as long as he did. You know, you could tell backstage, maybe Triple H or whoever it was, you could tell they really wanted <laughs> to hold on to that because that's just how talented of a kid he is. But, you know, he, he, he shot but himself the, in the foot. The thing about Dream, uh, Velvety Dream as well, is that, <clears throat> look, at we're an NXT takeover in your house. You know, 
is happening this evening. And the event last year, Adam Cole faced Velvet Dream for the NXT Championship. So you talk about that kind of drop from there. And even at that point, it had all kind of started happening as yeah. well. So um, it's, you know, like I said, interesting uh, to see it, what IW held off. But, of course, with all the other releases, you can't really uh, get away with it, so to speak, you know, after a while. And, and it'll be quite notable soon enough. But anyway, enough about them. We'll move on and we'll get on to the next episode of NXT. It's the 25th of May. And here we go. We're open with Finn Balor versus Karen Cross rematch video package generated by Jimmy Smith. But then we go to way back. Bit Joseph, Beth Phoenix. And they run down tonight's card. And first up, it's tag team Atsy, Shotzi, Blackheart, and Never Moon versus Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. We see the war goddess continue to frustrate Gonzalez. And the champion got too flustered to put away. Moon reversed a single arm powerbomb into a stunner before she and Blackheart hit their tag team finisher to win on Kai. Afterwards, an angry Gonzalez struck Bash at Blackheart repeatedly in the barricade while Kai forced Moon to watch that reversal was the, the slam into the stunner i actually got off my seat at that what were your thoughts on this matchup i thought the match was very well done i really loved how you know uh like you said that reversal every time ember does an eclipse is always beautiful but like that is just a perfect reversal for that move it just shows you how first of all let's just show you how good the stunner slash you know the eclipse that type that style of move he was just a great finisher in general you can just bring it out anywhere. But, uh, you know, uh, I really love that. I definitely popped the same way. Uh was just excited. And, you know, I have to say also I love the, the, the new fin- the, the, the finisher, the team finisher that uh, Moon and Blackheart did also. I thought that was well done. And after the match, all I got to say is that my gears were immediately turning. And I was – I don't – it sounds bad because of what happened <laughs> to Shashi, but I was so excited that it was happening. The way it was happening because I knew that Moon, I knew that that means we're maybe getting Moon and Gonzalez down the line, and you know, uh, so it, it just it had me so excited from that from that point on, you know, of what was coming next, and I think that's a great segment overall. If you can have a solid or solid to great match, and then have me excited to what's going to be what's the next chapter in this feud or in what's next for all of the ladies involved, uh, I thought that they did a good job there. Right, look, I like watching women get beaten as much as the next man, you know. Uh, but and unfortunately for shots, please, crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna get some fucking emails. <laughs> the last couple of sentences that I've said. Uh, I told you about okay. <laughs> Go. It's not cool, guys. It's not cool. Right? No, no, okay, we're talking about wrestling. Wrestling. <laughs> uh, Shotzi, unfortunately, is injured because of this a way to be written out. Uh, a good way to start the show. We get a video package of Finn Balor and Karen Cross arriving at the arena. Uh, it's weird on the big matches we get to see him arrive to the arena as opposed to the other times. You know, I just I just like it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I it's always love it. Like, what, what, how do they arrive on the, on the regular week? We, we never know. We'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. And up next, Bobby Fish versus Pete Dunn. Only Lorcan coming out with uh, Dunn. Bobby Fish twists his moustache as he makes his way down to the ring. So, right, Pete Dunn's going to twist his arm in a minute, I suppose. Uh, and Vic Jones informs us he's returned early against the advice of his doctor. I hope Dunn didn't hear that at ringside anyway. <laughs> so, and then, weirdly enough, Dom, uh, Dunn did stomp on the surgically repaired tricep of Fish. Uh, Fish got too focused on doing damage to Dunn, tried to break his fingers. The Bruiserweight answered with a bitter end, 
And then Dunn allowed Lorca to tap the right arm of Fish after the match, nearly putting him back on the shelf. Officials got involved just in time to save him further harm. Before I get your thoughts on this, I loved the bit where he's on the apron and Dunn's just like, yeah, fuck it, go on. And then Lorca's just (laughs) attacking him. Uh, What were your thoughts on this uh, (laughs) this match? I popped popped for Dunn's mannerisms and just like, yeah, go ahead, do it. Why not? (laughs) Who cares? Yeah, who cares? Break his arm again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, it was definitely a, a really good match. I was impressed actually. I was I was wondering after this kind of like how much more. Well, not after the attack, but after the match, I was wondering how much more Bobby Fish. You know, is this? You know, I would like to see more of him in a singles aspect because it was a really impressive match from my point of view as someone who. Uh, not really watched him in singles action as much as I've seen him in tag team action. So I really thought... But I think... I'm sorry, before we get to the match, the match was good, but I think they should call him Lucky. You know, Bobby Lucky Fish, because it's (laughs) like he goes away and his group breaks up, you know. He comes back and he gets injured again. He's like, oh, I just can't catch a break here. You know, and every (laughs) time he needs to, like... In the next segment, like, you know, walk into a puddle or miss his fucking bus. His car's been broken into. He's just like, oh, that is my luck. He does have... Goes to the kitchen, open up the ready meal. <laughs> yeah. He already has the worst luck, man. I get it. You're 100% right. You know, when it comes to that, I do fun. think also, he has, he's fighting injured and had the nerve to, 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 to shrug at Pete. From that point on, he was—he absolutely got destroyed, and I love that element of the match. It's—it's it's the equivalent of Smith is like smearing peanut butter somewhere around a dog, you know? Right? <laughs> you just, Are you insane? Do you not know what's about to happen? <laughs> and the guy's like, "I know, I just like it." That's when you've got your problem. <laughs> Maybe yeah. That's not funny. Yeah, borderline masochist at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, we get a studio promo from Hit Row when we return. Top dollar vows us L's on the head of the competition like Luigi from the Mario Brothers. Isaiah uh, Swerve Scott says they're not here to sing songs. If you didn't know, now you know. Uh, I think they are fucking good. This is money for me. <laughs> uh, I see this team being a really big, having a big role in the future of NXT. I cannot wait to see what they do as time goes on. They're only going to get uh, more comfortable with more TV time, more experience, more. And it's going to get even better as when they get wrapped up into an actual story. Uh, and I, I can't wait to see, you know, what's coming for everyone involved. You know, I, we talked about how great Swerve has been for a while now. And I think with this, with the entire group, he can he can elevate someone like Adonis that, I, like I said, I've only seen little bit of uh, or and when I saw him he was jobbing for the most part he can mm-hmm. elevate you know uh you know top dollar and you know uh, so I can't wait to see what happens with this group as a whole as time goes on well I doubt uh, our next match Mercedes Martinez versus Ada Ramirez and uh, Ramirez tried to pull out a surprise against Martinez but she found herself in trouble early thanks to suplex and dragon super she knocked Ramirez off the top rope and then hit a running knee to stop the air raid crash to win this was a basic squash really wasn't it yeah you know uh this is kind of like what we expected from when zeta ramir got that that victory against tony storm this is the match that you kind of expected to see then uh when she got that surprise upset uh but you know uh back right back to the drawing board i guess for ramir uh <laughs> when it comes to 
But uh, I, I thought the match was all about what happened after the match, and uh, or at least you know get that mark. Which, by the way, I I have okay. I don't know who just marked her and then disappeared. You know, so right. We so with that, here we go. <laughs> the lights go down in the building and they come back up a glowing red as the ring fills with smoke. A video package for Tin Shah starts playing as Martinez walks around confused. Down and come back up again and Martinez is a black mark on her hand. She try. I love the way she was like, you can't see me right now, but it's kind of like, oh, got my hand up in the air. Hand, oh, my hand. Oh, look. <laughs> like that kind of, I loved it. It's brilliant. Um, right. But Tian Shah is back. I mean, has she been on holiday? I suppose. Where do you go to chill if you're like 2,000 years old? Uh, <laughs> and the other thing is, like you said, was Martinez in there doing the black mark herself? Or do you yeah. think, like, literally, like, Boa came sprinting from the back? <laughs> <laughs> black marker quickly, like, and she's like, fucking quick, quick. <laughs> you think it's just like me. They have Bo wait down in the ring or someone under the ring so he can, as soon as the lights drop, all right, let me get this mark. <sighs> Mark it right perfectly so everyone can see. <laughs> and did she just stand there and hold her arm, hand out, just like, huh, here you go. That's what I'm saying. It's such a weird thing. But again, it's nice to see uh, Zia Lee and, of course, Jin Shah and that gimmick come back because it felt like that we've not had it. But it's good to see. And then backstage, we see Ted DiBiase talk to Tony Storm, but we can't hear what they say. Robert Stone tries to come talk to him. DiBiase throws money in his face and walks off cackling. And then we get the million-dollar face-off. Cameron Grimes question why Ted DiBiase continues to embarrass him. Middle man told the technical savages that he saw a lot of himself in Grimes. It seemed that DiBiase was ready to turn his legacy over to a worthy successor. But L.A. Knight interrupted, and he wanted the million-dollar man's fortune. And to be honest, well, Mr. Knight, I'm well aware of who you are and you travelled the world and a great deal of success. You might even become a megastar here in NXT. You've got a million-dollar body and a million-dollar mindset. Uh, and Grimes said, we get it, the guy's jacked, but he's no Cameron Grimes. And then LA Knight, um, basically, <laughs> every time I see LA Knight now, I just see a mixture between a rock and stone cold for every time yeah. you talk. Um, and it's just like, it's, it's unbelievable. But basically, the top and bottom of it was that um, L.A. Knight wants to be um, the new million dollar man uh, and Grimes is a bit upset by that but uh, Grimes is just so goddamn likeable I really like Knight's promo I felt a bit sorry for him when he said he's not a millionaire yet as well and I thought oh bless your heart <laughs> <laughs> I agree 100% that was the thing I latched on to I'm like well I don't think he, I don't think he's qualified he hasn't hit the lotto I don't <laughs> You know, he didn't. What, what about the, he got? He needs to get into some Bitcoin or something. You know, crypto. You know, do you know hustle like Grimes did? Grimes came from hillbilly town to millionaire really, really fast. I mean, I, I don't understand what the debate is here. But anyway, besides that, uh, L.A. <laughs> L.A. Knight did a great job of uh, spoiling this because this was supposed to be the moment that we that we've all been waiting for finally get an explanation for why DiBiase is always there to one up and humble in a sort in a way uh Cameron Grimes and I I really think they almost they they almost you know they really did a good job in my opinion in this situation because if you depending on how you were looking at things cuz we me and you we've been kind of Cameron Grimes has grown on us for a while now even before this character when he was still kind of parading around doing heelish things as the million dollar or Cameron Grimes uh we like that but if you've been looking at him as a heel I think this moment right here was when 
you realize, oh, okay, they're really about to hitch. You know, we really, we really might get a turn here because there's no way L.A. Knight is the likable guy in this situation. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I really liked it. I really liked the, the the turn of using a guy like L.A. Knight to go ahead and let everyone know that yeah, we're going to we're, we're going along with Cameron Grimes on this ride to the moon as a babyface. This is the thing, and to the moon is a great chant as well for the fans uh, to do. He's really, like I said, really likable. And the thing is, he's got a perfect hill now to go against. And I don't think it would have worked if kind of Ted DiBiase would have tried like a Jake Atlas versus Grimes, because like you said, Grimes right. is kind of, it's just great anyway. But we see Mackenzie Mitchell is trying to interview Indy Hartwell. Indy's trying to find Dexter Loomis. Hartwell interrupts everybody's looking for him. Um, ask the young bucks have you seen him uh, but then Drake gives her directions she wants him to a room that's been decorated in his artwork showing how his heart had been broken zooming on a drawn of a knife stabbing him in the heart she runs away concerned bless, <laughs> bless his heart what, what, what a normal thing to do you know that is, oh yeah that I was just about is... to say that's very normal to have a shrine at your workplace like what how do, who Again, who regulates what Loomis is allowed <laughs> allowed to do? Do they? I, I I feel bad. What if you? What if you're a, a member of the NXT universe, someone who loves watching, it, and you you've been in a traumatic situation before? You just you see this stalk. You've been stalked before. You see this stalker with a shrine, even if it is paintings of himself in this particular case. Like that's that's that got to be triggering as hell for somebody. <laughs> Well, the thing is, they'll say, they'll be like, hey. We love him, though. They'll be like, hey, no guns. Knife is fine. No guns. We want to make this kid friendly. Right? Stab her through the heart. That's what we want. It's Uh, endearing (laughs) in this story. They found a way to make that endearing. The stalker. How does it work? Uh, anyway, up next, the uh, we've been waiting for it for a very long time. You see Cora Jade going against the debuting Frankie Monet. Monet makes her way down to the ring, modeling a 35,000-euro robe, according to Wade Barrett. Come on, you're English, mate. It's still pound. Uh, anyway, after <laughs> dramatic entrance, Monet stomped Cora Jade into the corner. Uh, she hit running knees and hip attack, and then again taunted to allow Jade to respond. But she stopped him by a spin-up powerbomb and glam slam to win. Uh, that I really dug the entrance. Um, what were your thoughts on her coming out and this kind of debut? Yeah, I thought the entrance did a great job. Her song also is perfect. Like, you get everything you need to know about the character uh, that she's portraying before the match even starts. You can already, like you said, with the role, with the music, you know, talking about how she's bougie and how... You know, you know, you know, they got everything. She got everything she can need, want. You know, all of that type of stuff. I love the vibes that she gave off with, with this character. And then in the ring, if you weren't really familiar with Talia Valkyrie or her character pre NXT, uh, I can see how I, I think they did a really good job of showing uh, how athletic she is and the in, like. It was this was impressive. Like it was a squash match, of course, obviously, and just you supposed to showcase the talent. But I really love how they did it. And, you know, the, a couple times when she let Cora J fight back and fire up against her, I love the moves and the, and the way and the mannerism that she used to stifle that comeback. So I thought this was really, really good. You know, it was definitely a squash match, but it was a, a very – it was one that you, you had to pay attention to. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, you have to have as a superstar. You have to have a, something that makes us be like, okay – this is a star and that's what i see yeah. 
when I see Frankie Monet. I see a star, and I think she has a bright future. Well, I'm going to go one step further, and I can't see her face in Gonzalez unless, of course, Raquel maybe turns face, which could happen with Kai turning. But bet on Monet being champion by the end of the year. That's how confident I see that as okay. someone that's going to be the women's division. And Beth Phoenix looking on will be a very good indicator, especially with that glam slam. Of course, yeah. she used it first and foremost, looking on at someone uh, like Monet as well. And then we move on to Grizzly Young Veteran saying they're done with Thatcher and Champa, but they're not done with MSK. The fact remains the same. We are the leaders of this division, so desperate needs. Uh, if MSK were wrestling at the bottom of my garden, I would close the curtains. I <laughs> promise you, you soon to be recognised as NXT Tag Team Champions. I can't do that promo justice, but my God, the Grizzly Young Vets get better every week with this as well. I mean, what a fucking quote that is. Man, yeah. Every week, I'm just looking forward to either whether it's pre-match, whether it's just a segment. I'm looking forward to what they have to say. And, uh, you know, all the time, he's just firing from the hip. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 yeah, it was it's beautiful. I, I really like it. And you know what? I, I want to say this, and we'll get to them. Uh, later, of course, but uh, I got at least two or three teams I love more than our current NXT Tag Champions, and I don't know if it's any fault of them, fault to them, and it's people who are not supposed to be more popular than them, I believe, yeah. if you go by their presentation, but it, yeah, uh, I don't know, I, I'm in a, we talked about NXT Tag Division being, you know, needing some help and being weak a few, a few shows ago, not too long, and I know that's months ago now, but still, uh, they've done a really good job, in my opinion, of rebuilding uh, this division and making it uh, at least feel more lively. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And we see uh, Volta then vowing that his crew is going to be even stronger without Alexander Wolf, but he didn't mention his name. And gives his marching orders to Barthel and Eitner to take out the tag team division, saying in German that to us the mat is sacred. Again, don't let Vader down because he will crush your windpipe like it is just, you know, <laughs> and nothing really. Um, we see Bronson Reed coming to the ring wearing a nice suit, actually. He has a belt over his shoulder. Uh, he then explained his road to the NXT North American Championship. Of course, had his moment with his wife the previous week as well. Challenged anyone to step up. And then Santos Espera arrived with Raul Mendoza at Woken Wild to mock the Colossal one. When you saw Santos arrive, did you think, oh, the last time... We were doing an NXT update. We mentioned this would be a great idea to do as well. You know, him stepping up to the next stage. Uh, it's like smug yeah. mode engaged for me, really, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, feel uh, good. I think I did a great job of predicting. <laughs> yeah, we had that pat on our backs, you know, like I say. Um, and then Esquad said he wanted the title just as Legala del Fantasma come to the ring. MSK interrupted low, and uh, they stare at each other down from the entry trap. If you go backstage to Finn Balor lacing up his boots, and of course we know we're going to get Legala del Fantasma and MSK coming up uh, soon. We then see winning Regal announcing that Kyle O'Reilly versus Pete Dunne versus Johnny Gagarin next week will determine a new number one contendership for the NXT title. And we talked about O'Reilly and Dunne being there, but this is a great thing about Gagano. Just lost North America title. We can be put in this situation. You don't blink an eye because it's Johnny Gagano, you know? Exactly. We also predicted that uh, Gargano was going to get in, in the divisions because of <laughs> just how compelling and how well he's been doing and how well he did as a uh, North American champion. I, I think this is a great reward for him for, for a lot of that hard work. Uh, and also, like you said, he's, Gar- he's, Johnny, he's Johnny Takeover. Johnny Gargano is like, this is that's where he belongs, even if he, you know, no matter what else he's doing, whether it's a tag team run, whether it's a 
North American title run, he's always welcome in the main event run. I think that just goes to show how appreciated and how good he's always been in the main event scene. So I think, uh, you know, like you said, sometimes you need to move him out so you can get some fresh faces or fresh, you know, opponents for him. But he's always welcome to go back, jump right back into it. And I think uh, it was a nice touch getting him right back into it immediately after losing the belt. Yeah, we'll find out next week who the number one contender is, but we're going to find out right now who the NXT champion will be because we've got Karen Cross defending against Finn Balor. We see uh, both of them making their entrances. Of course, a big lights down, a big match introduction. This was quite a slow start, really, with Balor uh, grounding Cross to the mat early. Uh, but we see the Prince running right into a Cross jacket. Um, Balor did make it to the ropes and the Irishman caught Cross with a sling blade clothesline and some sort of plancher to the outside. But the champion just got right back up and slammed the challenger onto the announce table. Balor managed to get Cross down for a moment. So Cross stop, stopped him, hit the Cito suplex. Balor avoided running forearm and two traded forearms on the mat. Balor almost made Cross tap out to a sleeper, but the champion battled out with a powerbomb. The two glared each other down before the champion clothesline Balor. This up the running forearm followed by the cross jacket for a technical submission. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? And were you surprised at all about how it finished? Uh, yeah, I, I did, was not really expecting it to go, uh, you know, like you said, the, the choke out route. But, uh, you know, I thought it was a great touch. Uh, you know, you never really know how crosses matches in because I think between the suplex and the the running, you know, forearm shot and, uh, you know, with the cross jacket, you know, he can, he has a multitude of ways at this point now that he can just put people out. That's one thing that I think also helps his character and, like, how dangerous he's been presented is the fact that, you know, he could just knock you upside the head and it'll be over or he can choke you out, you know, or, you know, whatever. It's, it's up to him. It's his choice. So. Well, Mm-hmm. What you about to say? Well, I'm about to say, it's not about the match itself, because I've really, really enjoyed the match, these two great guys, but when did they change the rule for the referee checking the arm three times? Because you yeah. all remember the Hulk, I'm saying the Hulk Hogan thing, but, you know, like the arm going down for the third, stopping it, mm-hmm. and then kind of coming back. When did that change to just checking it once? Because at WrestleMania, when McIntyre went out to the Hurt Lock, I was fucking devastated, because I thought he had more time. You right. know, and the referee's just, and it's the same with this one where the referee just like checks, checks Balor, then rings the bell. Is it just because they don't need the other drama or is that a kind of, will we see that down the road a little bit when they kind of forget this is the rules now, so to speak? Yeah, I think that's what they're doing. I think ever since they've been trying, I, like I said, I don't know exactly like a moment in time when this began, but I believe what they're going for is like a more MMA feat to like the finish instead of like you said, the drama and the, you know, put it down. And it does seem like they pick and choose when they want that to matter. Cause you know, I think, you know, sometimes I, I, it's been a while since I've seen them execute the, the Hogan style, you know, I'm, I'm out, I'm out. And then all of a sudden you're back, you know, back into it. Yeah. You know, they, maybe they still do it every now and then, but it's been, a, it's been a while. So I think what they've been trying to do uh, is like give it more of an MMA real, you know, he's, he's passed out or type, or like you said, he can't, answer the ref's uh, call. You know, I think a couple of times I've heard, like, this is the referee's decision uh, to, to end the match. You know, I think even in AEW they did a match like that, too, you know, where, like, the referee just said, nope, it's over, you know, woo 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 you know, however they decided to explain <laughs> it. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I understand. You're just, I, think, <laughs> I think you're just – that's your polite way of saying – 
They haven't done it for 20 years, James. Like, you know, <laughs> it's been, it's been oh, a long it's time. Late, but no, it's confusing, though. Like, I, I know what you mean. It's confusing. They haven't done it in a while, but it's still a confusing thing since no one comes out and has come out and ever said anything. Like, that's one of those things I would like someone to explicitly explain, <laughs> you know, uh, that's, that it's gone. But, yeah, they haven't done it in a while, if you really think back. Because I'm trying to remember the last time I seen it executed, you know. But it's I'm like, it's like when you say, "Oh, have you, have you seen that woman?" Yeah, it's like, "No, she's been dead for ten years." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh shit, maybe. maybe yeah, I know you're paying attention, but you know she <laughs> she perished a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking to, but um, but WWE had some bad news when it came to ratings because not only Raw, which again we haven't got time to discuss what's going on with Raw at the moment, oh, it only man. drew a one. 1.621 million. Now, for anybody listening about maybe don't know ratings at the moment, 1.621 million. In about 2014 or 2015, they've probably had about 4.6. And you think about the drop off there in just that kind of short Ooh. space of time. Um, it was a 10% drop from the previous week. And then NXT, with this as the main event, drew 698,000 people. This is a takeover level. I know we had it, you know, takeover, but this right. is a takeover level match. I mean, no ratings don't matter to us because we know we're going to watch a product, but why do you think it's affected? Is it just because of COVID or is there other reasons why people aren't tuning into NXT anymore? Yeah, honestly, that's one of those perplexing things. I see the numbers every now and then. When I see them, I'm confused, honestly, on what's going on. As far as like the the viewing audience, uh, I don't know if it's like one of those, like you said, maybe with COVID, maybe with things, especially in the states starting to open up a little bit more. People are getting out and you know enjoying uh, you know a lot of the freedom that they didn't have for a long time over this past year in change. That may be playing some of a factor, but honestly, uh, you know, I know, honestly I can speak for Raw because it's been hard for me to even finish some of those episodes or keep <laughs> watching it. So uh, Raw has just been dissipated. Rematch Raw is what I saw someone call it on Twitter, and that is so that's very great, very good. Like I promise, I've seen the same matchups week after week, and that's not always a bad thing. But you know, sometimes, of course, when you just run everything into the ground, it's hard to get invested when you know what, you, what what's coming, or you or you can pretty much guess what you're about, what you're about to see. And then, you know, as far as the NXT takeover, like, level main event, I agree, this is one of those times. But, again, how much believability did people have that Balor had a chance? That can play a factor into that also. You know, maybe people maybe already assume that Cross has that. And maybe this has a lot to do with this new trend of dominant champions. Not, Not that it's their fault. I think Roman Reigns and lastly, a lot of these guys have been presented in a great fashion, but when you have a dominant champion, they're going to dominate. So it's hard to believe that, like like we talked about once before, you know, valuable contenders for Cross, valuable contenders for Reigns, valuable contenders. Like, that does matter. Like, as great as it is to have that established champion, having someone you believe has a chance of winning is just as important. And, you know, uh, when you run a lot of the guys who we believe have a chance to win into the ground and get them – beaten repeatedly maybe that's hard for some people to come back to or consistently care about yeah but i think that's an excellent point and then we've learned that um, unfortunately josiah williams was part of the we cuts this week he appeared on various digital properties and did the theme music for cameron grimes oh, uh man. we've had so many days speaking highly of him that's a shame isn't it really 
Yeah, I mean, he's doing a great. I thought he's the he was a great ambassador for for the NXT brand. Uh, if you looked at what he does on social media, he uh, like you said had that song brought out Adam Cole a couple of times uh, with the Undisputed Era, you know, rapping. So he he was creative. So it sucks when you when you see talent like that get let get let go and another victim of the dreaded budget cuts or whatever is going on over there. But you know, uh, man, just add another name to the list of just valuable talent that is on somewhere else now yeah we're back. Uh, well we start our next episode of nxt june 1st the number one contendership match and after a sick video recapping last week we start what i thought would be the main event of this episode and i've got serious man love for two of these three guys called Gagano versus o'reilly versus dunn the secret with dunn is just let him wrestle we've talked about johnny being a complete package i had no idea what o'reilly had as a logo on his t-shirt did, did did you see O'Reilly's new T-shirt? Because I don't know if it's an X-ray or a picture. Um, do you know what it actually is? I have no clue. Uh, no, what's going I, on there. honestly, no, I did not. I I don't know. I, <laughs> I was looking at his T-shirt and going, I can't work out what the, that is a picture of. Like I honestly couldn't. And I was like, why would you have a merchandise that you can't tell what it is? Yeah, that. Honestly, I've been having a problem with NXT's merch person or whoever is over that for a while. They've been, I don't know what's going on uh, with some of these designs, some of the ideas, but they haven't been the best for a little while now. <laughs> well, and you wouldn't think the Englishman would have the best tan out of the three guys as well. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, like, where we see, that's, he's not getting it naturally, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's, I don't know if it's me. I just look at him and go, wow, Dan is tanned, man. Like, you don't know that in NXT UK. People change. Uh, anyway, been to the <laughs> match. We see the Bruce Wade getting spiked in his head by Johnny and then go out of the Gagano escape and then hit the bitter end. Riley broke up the pin with a dive and knee drop on both men. But then Adam Cole arrived to blast all three with a steel chair and then took out the official who tried to stop him. Cole hit the last shot on Gagano, which brought out an angry winning Regal with security. With all three out for the count, the match was called off for the moment. Uh, what were your thoughts on this match to open up and obviously what happened with Adam Cole as well? I thought the match itself was great. And uh, after doing a little research, uh, Googling, uh, look, <laughs> Colorado shirt is a hook in someone's heel because he does the heel hook. Right, right. It's an x-ray right. of a hook in, in an in a, uh, x-ray version of a heel. So uh, I, I just want to let anyone know that if you have to work this hard to try to understand it, it's probably not the best design. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah, it. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but again, uh, the match itself, man, I was really into this match, you know, before the interference. I'm, I really am not a fan of matches ending that way, especially when it's involved with it. So not only was it an important match, it involved, you know, like you said, three uber talented guys and they were doing a really, really good job. But uh, I think when, when Cole came in, it also excited me because I was like, okay, okay, good. Adam Cole is someone that, is he's another one of those guys that's in this division, in the in the world title picture. Even though he's been away, he's someone who should have a say in like who's next to challenge Cross. So I, I was just excited to see what was going to happen next. And I I've repeated this with uh with the uh, Gonzalez and Blackheart segment. 
they did a great job of entertaining the hell out of you with the wrestling and then leaving you wanting to see, okay, what's going to happen next, you know? And I think they've done a good job with that. And that's a great opening segment in general. Time and time again, I've seen open segments on certain, certain wrestling shows, Raw, uh, and, and they just, it, all, it literally can ruin the entire <laughs> experience from you because you're like, okay, can we get to something? What are we getting to here? What are we getting to here? And I really love how NXT does a good job on most occasions of, getting you right into the action and then leaving you wanting to see what happens. Well, this is the thing. And, and like I said, I was surprised. Matches on first. That's a bit of a surprise. And then when Adam Cole, we go, oh, okay, right. That's the thing that they're going to do. Uh, I think the match itself, there was a couple of times it felt like a triple threat, but it was more like a singles match with outside interference. You know, like right. the guy just kind of <laughs> waiting outside and you're going, oh, come on now. Uh, still really good stuff. Like last five minutes before Cole showed up was top notch. And speaking of which, exactly. Adam Cole's yelling... Uh, uh, yelling at Regal, saying, I'm leaving. They escort him out the back door. And meanwhile, uh, with the match with no conclusion, has walked past all of them. And since she was hijacking the show till Gonzalez came out, Gonzalez music plays, and Winnie Regal <laughs> tries and fails to cut her off the pass. He is not having a good evening. Uh, she gets to the ring and starts balling with Moon. Moon gets the better of her, mouths off the security, holds Gonzalez back, but Dakota Kai jumps Moon from behind and destroys him with kicks. Regal runs down to check on Moon as uh, the fans boost. Security and Regal make both Gonzalez and Kai leave. What a fucking crazy way to start NXT, eh? I agree 100%. And, uh, man, Regal, 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 Regal. <laughs> he just felt like he's like a stressed out principal of like uh, one of the most unkempt and just wild schools or, or you know universities you've ever think of like that's what he felt like he just he's trying to control so many moving parts but it's just too much for regal himself to just handle at this point and you know uh but yeah it was a great way again another segment where it's like you know okay everything makes sense and it's also giving you that element of okay what are we going to do with about this you know what's going to come of this and uh, like uh, by the way anything ember moon does i don't think She's one. She's kind of like EO in my book, as one of those people that is not. It's, I don't. She can do no wrong to me. Like I love Ember Moon, and you know uh, everything about the not only Ember's law, the character. She's just a badass, and I I love everything about it. And I think that's the perfect person to put Gonzalez against. Yeah, I, I think without a doubt, and I think that they said it was set here a little bit. I just love the fact Regal going backstage, opening up a door, seeing Dexter Loomis setting fire to things and going, do you know what? Actually, that's the least <laughs> of my problems right now. It's like, <laughs> like kind of getting on with his work. Anyway, we get a package of Santos Escobar and Carlos Legala to take the tag belts. And up next is L.A. Knight versus Jake Atlas. L.A. Knight talks himself to the ring. I'm starting to like it because it is such a throwback. It's like an, an attitude era chucked right into NXT nowadays, you know? Yeah, I, I again as someone who's never really been interested in Eli Drake, L.A. Knight and his presentation, the the catchphrases, everything about him, I, I understand it. I get it. He he's really good. Uh, you know, he's really good at you know at inter, as being entertaining, and that's one thing I'll say. Uh, you know, we again not, but also not in that way where he's goofy or in that way where you can't take him seriously. You know, he's still entertaining. And that, like you said, it's such a throwback. The catchphrases, the 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 way he speaks, the, the the attitude is over the top. I like that element of his character. And, again, he's another person right now who nobody else on the roster is like. And they, yeah. they have a lot of uniqueness when it comes to this roster in both divisions. So, yeah. 
Well, we see into the match and we see Jake Ellis had control, but with the acne on his face, young, and I feel so old. Like, I think, <laughs> man, he's not even out of high school yet, is he? Or something like that. But anyway, <laughs> Knight hit a jumping net breaker, which brought out the Million Dollar Man. Knight was distracted by the rival DiBiossi trying to show off for the W Hall of Famer. However, Atlas could not steal the win, but Cameron Grimes decided to walk out during the match to talk to DiBiossi. This fueled Atlas, who hit a rolling fireman's carry into a standing moonsault and then hit the cartwheel DDT and won clean afterwards. Knight blamed Grimes for the loss. Um, it was a bit of a surprise that, but I can't. I love the fact this is one of NXT's main angles now. You know, like after we've been talking about it, they're actually giving it time. I agree. You know, something that seemed like it was just sometimes even place to give you a break from the wrestling and just make you laugh has become, like you said, a more important uh, aspect of the show, a, one, a major story. And I, I like how, how we've gotten here also. They've built this up in a, in a great way. L.A. Knight really impressed me, honestly. Not only in this match did he look really good, but uh, he looked almost like he you know needed less work in someone in the ring than like atlas i think atlas looked a little bit like you said you called him young but he actually did look you know a little greener at least in la night in this retrospect and i don't know if that's because he wasn't really on display or you know just the position that he was in i was really surprised that he won also that atlas took took the victory i know that it was in a similar fashion than what happened to grimes earlier but you know la night uh impressed i was I thought he would win that match. So getting the other finish was cool. And, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, maybe, you know, uh, we'll see what happens with this over time, but yeah, this story and the, the way it's built, man, I really love, uh, how, week by week, how it got more and more important. Yeah. I think we're at that. And, and I think the thing with LA night, just because the hill can lose and he can kind of get over it. And I think this is what the problem with WWE sometimes. It doesn't mean that he needs to lose, you know, and especially when right, you're kind of building right. up towards a match, you know, it's like, and then you're thinking, oh, is Atlas going to be involved in a triple threat? No. So what's the fuck no, then? Not. You know, exactly. <laughs> so what's the but point? Anyway. Hey, what's the point? Like you're yeah. losing for nothing. Like, he can, we know he can talk his way out of anything, but he shouldn't even have to in certain situations. This is what I'm saying. But we see a video package from earlier today. We get Drake Maverick and Killian Dane getting into a fight with Hit Row. Those young bucks watch on. And then backstage, Justin Fury and Oni Law can get into it near the trainer's room. Both convinced that their man would have one of the triple threat if it weren't Random Cole. I fucking, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed this. This is like, this is what I love about wrestling. Of course they would argue about it, you know? Of course they would fight. Um, right. <laughs> My friend would have won. No, my friend would have won. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My friend is my uncle beats your uncle up all day long. Um, we see Caleb Braxton trying to get a word uh, with Ted, but Cole just walks past and goes straight to the ring. Uh, we see he calling the shot in the NXT Championship. He mocked Karrion Cross. He said, <clears throat> this is what Adam Cole said, I would be happy to, Mr. Overrated. The truth is you ain't Adam Cole, baby, and you never will be. The brand has done everything in their power to make you feel special. you got the cool music, you got the lights, you got the fog machine, you got the girl. You know what they do to make Adam Cole feel special? They ring the freaking bell on your best day. You couldn't Ooh. lace my boots. You can't hang with me. You're not on my level. And everyone knows who's watching pro wrestling that you're not special. I'm special. You're just a guy who has my property. Talk Ooh. about a fucking burn. <laughs> like, come on. Should, should he be allowed to say that as well in a certain way? You know? like, <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he was shooting. Like, that was, it felt, and that's another thing. I love that element of just real, how real that felt. It, just, it came from a real place, even though I'm pretty sure 
you know, it, you know, everyone knew what was going to happen, but I don't know to what extent because you know it was just, oh man, what a promo, man, what a promo! Yeah. It went viral and it it deserved every second of you know going viral. I understood why everyone loved it, and it was a lot of truth in what he was saying because you know as much as as, as great as Dominus Cross has looked, we all know that they have put a lot behind him at this point. And I'm not saying he hasn't shown up in the ring because he has, in my opinion. But I think, is he on the level of Adam Cole when it comes to, you know, the intricacies of pro wrestling or how or entertainment wise? I don't know. I don't know. And I think that's a great, you know, element that Adam Cole has because that a lot of the promos that rang true or at least seem to hit home to a lot of people. Man, those are some of the best promos, and and I think Adam Cole hit on a lot of nerves that maybe that's what's in the back of a lot of viewers or you know even wrestlers' mind when they watch what was going on with Cross. Yeah, well, literally, and I think only maybe three men could have done that promo, Champa Gagano included, right. just because of the kind of history uh, with NXT. But you know, like I said, if if things a bit, you know, if you've got cut of three towers and two are made of concrete ones made of cardboard you don't point out the cardboard one you know you kind of <laughs> work away around it i couldn't think of any other analogy then that's the first thing that came to my head but you know what i mean like uh but william regal come out and went for fuck's sake like what is going on <laughs> he's trying, like i've had enough he's trying to stop cole from weaseling his way into the title shot instead of cross made it clear he wanted Carla riley pete dunn johnny garno and cole at takeover uh but don't tell regal to shut up you know i will say that to cross <laughs> Uh, I mean, this was crazy. Cole looked like a badass. He then attacked them all. Uh, he This is what Adam Cole's night was. He attacked them all, called out Cross without punishment for his shot, then threw a bottle of water at Cross and Scarlet as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, did look like, he did look like a child, though, face to face. I thought, has Cole shrunk? Or is Cross like eight feet? Like I don't know how tall. But in your house would be nuts. What were your thoughts on this? Man, I thought this segment was probably the, the highlight of the entire night, you know, at least from, from my memory. You know, I, I think it was other great moments here but uh, on this show, but this definitely was the moment that uh, that, that that took off, and it, it was great. I really liked it. You know, uh, I honestly think the only thing is is that, uh, you know, if you if, – depending on where you stand on cross, if you think they should be – you know, if you think this made him look some type of way – you know, I don't think first of all, I don't think you've been watching long because he's been so strong the entire time. This is the first time he's literally been taken down a peg pretty much at all, because everyone else who's fought him has been very respectful or at least not and fearful in some cases. So when Adam Cole did that, I think this is, this is nice to see. I wanted to see how Cross reacted to this. And I think challenging all the men involved is a great, you know, badass way of saying I'm not afraid of any of you. I can take out all of you guys. I don't care. You know, I don't need this. But I also love, again, how Adam Cole, like, he not only did he win, like you said, the segment overall and the night overall pretty much by getting the title shot he wanted. I believe, honestly, I don't know how, you know, unless they just really did good. They, could have, they did a really good job of making me really feel like Cross was legit ticked off, especially after the water bottle. <laughs> because he yeah, looked the water like he bottle. <laughs> the water bottle really pissed him off. Like, I think he was literally mouthing yeah, he's going to hit him in the face or whatever if he got a he was more pissed. Yeah, I thought, oh, you're going to protect Scarlet. No, he's like, you've got water me, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> he was pissed. That wasn't in the fucking script. Like, right, <laughs> right. That's what it looked like. And I loved every second of it. I also love Will Crosby. He should never disrespect William Regal. I agree 100%. That is royalty. Yeah. But 
at the same time, when he told him, man, you haven't had control of this show in weeks, I had to think back, and I'm like, yeah, we got a 2,000-year-old spirit <laughs> roaming around. We got stalking weekly uh, going on. I mean, he has a point, Regal. You haven't had uh, control it, in a it, long it time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we see Mackenzie Mitchell backstage with Candice Ryan moping Indy Hartwell who has headphones on, is apparently listening to sad music. But the look <laughs> on Indy's face is so... She must have looked at something so sad before shooting that to right. get it, tears in her eyes. LeRae rips it off her heads and mocks her for listening to 80s powers, um, 80 powers, 80s power balance even. <laughs> and that's an Indy, easy for me to say, Indy sold this one beautifully, I will say. Yes, again, the belief. She's into this, like every element, like whatever they're giving her on a weekly basis and is involved with this index storyline. She is going all in. You can't tell me she doesn't, you know, feel something the way, like you said, almost like acting class level of dedication to this <laughs> role that the facial expressions, the her mannerisms are priceless. And I, like just great, great job all around for everyone that's been involved in the index storyline so far. <laughs> Right, uh, we then go to the announce desk, then we get video package for the open challenger, Carmelo Hayes, who will face Kushida. We then get a promo for Zia Lee, saying she wants revenge on Mercedes, Mercedes Martinez from bouncing her first match ever, a young classic. And this was a fucking great callback as well, because weirdly enough, yeah. right, um, we covered the May um, Young Classic, and Zia Lee was actually one of my uh, picks when we did it back in the day so and i thought it, it was her first match back then but that is a deep cut and it's good that it's not just a kind of oh she's a badass it's like no there's a bit of history there as well you know i love that callback because it was something that slipped my mind i watched both of the mayon classics at the time uh if uh every i've seen things i've seen i've pretty much seen every match of every mayon classic that they've had and uh, I remember that once they showed that clip, and it was nice to get that reminder. Okay, so it is something like you said. It's not just okay. I'm my my evil Tian Shaw, whoever the evil spirit wants me to attack you. No, we have a history, and you are the the begin. You are the beginning of why, uh, you know that version of me didn't make it to where it, it belonged in in her mind. And I and I think even without having a long you know, drawn out story into it. It added a great element to this match and made it feel more important. And again, this is again, again, another reason why I love the way NXT books, uh, all of their divisions. This is a non-title, another non-title feud with enough story in the background to get you excited to see what's going on in it. So I I really like that callback and uh, yeah, it was a nice element added to the feud. Right, uh, Loomis putting on the headphones Hartwell was listening to 80 pounds but still playing and a tear in his eye as he walks away this is I just put ha because this is just I mean they know what they're doing and they're doing it very well and like I said if, if you don't like this kind of stuff you're going to hate it but if you can appreciate it it's going to pay off in leaps and bounds isn't it really agree like man like the dedication to not only the stalker character itself 
but the different elements, the the facial expressions, the tears, it's just like I like I said, they're all really into this. You can tell, and whoever's coming up with the ideas, the the '80s power ballad, that just that as an idea, they're having fun with this also, and that's the thing that you can see because it translates through the character that everyone is having fun. Like it translates through the story that they're telling that this is this is just perfect like the perfect storm of emotions and everything like it's crazy how much they've already done with this story and without them ever even really embracing <laughs> honestly it is like i said and the payoff for it is going to be immense as well but now time for a match we get kashida the champion versus carmella hayes for the cruiserweight championship we see the um kashida i i fucking love kashida i've <laughs> said this so many times uh, we see not a bad match between the two. However, despite Hayes' best efforts, he could not escape. When Kashida trapped him in the hoverboard lock, he tapped out. Not a bad look for the young man, a couple of missteps, but who better to learn from than Kashida, who, like he said, is next level stuff. Uh, I would expect the dollars to be mixing it with maybe Kashida in the future as well. What are your thoughts on this match and uh, Kashida as well? Because it's a shame that he's not going to feature at TakeOver as well, because he doesn't have bad matches, does he? Right, yeah, I agree 100%. Kushida's always he's been one of the best in the world for a long time, and it's just continued. And I love how, again, uh, you know, the elevation of the Cruiserweight champion. You know, it started with this great run with with Escobar, but now with Kushida, that uh, you know, with the match rate, it won't be any it won't be any cheap type of victories. He's gonna go out there. He's gonna wrestle again. You mentioned that Pete Dunne's at his best. Or, uh, you know, when you just put him in the ring and Adam Cole said when you ring that, that bell, you know, that's that's when they set him up. It's the same thing with Kushida. You have to, you don't have to do anything, but just give him a, a, a spotlight. Give him 15 to 20 minutes and let him do work his magic. He's so good. And I really love how at the end, of, you know, as, as someone like me who was unfamiliar with Carmelo Hayes before this, that he was even elevated with how much. You know he how good he looked at times against uh, someone the talent level and someone who we've seen uh, his his elevation also in Kushida. So uh, I just love how you know after when you think about the cruiserweight title and we talk about how no one cares about 205 Live and how that was supposed you know cruiserweight title was the main title there and yeah. how whenever the NXT spotlights this belt you know especially now with Kushida as champion. They are putting on probably the best matches of the night whenever they involve. I I agree. I I want the I want the cruiserweight title to be just as much uh, a part of the takeovers at this point as the world championship. You know that's just that's what that match quality or the match quality that they have been doing in that division for a while now has earned in my opinion. It sucks that we won't get to see it this time, but you know I can't wait for the next few that gets him on a takeover because Kushida is someone who needs to be on the screen as much as possible with that crazy amount of work rate that he has. It's just, he's great. He's always been great to me, but man, I love what he's doing right now. Yeah. We're about shallow. Um, the MSK Valor retain the tag team titles before we go to commercial break. We see Frankie Monet's reading the reviews for her world debut last week. She only reads the positive ones though. She winks at the camera. We go back to the ring, but did those guys with her play gay enough because i've got some gay friends and not all of them go around going hi hi guys like how you doing you watching wrestling like you know what i mean it's not uh, again i i think i won't get hateful emails for that but i don't think every gay man is like that i, I may be wrong 
I don't think every male hairdresser is like that. <laughs> or makeup artist. Like, I get it. They may, most of them may be gay or whatever, but I don't think they all are like that. I agree 100%. It's a little over the top. But, you know, uh, I, I, they got the point across, I guess. <laughs> Uh, I knew I knew what they was trying to do there, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> move on to our next match. Zoe Stark and Zayda Ramirez versus Candice Ray and Indy Hartwell. And Zayda Ramirez found herself stuck in the ring alone with the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions after Ray took out Zoe Stark. Together, the champions hit the Wicked Savage for the victory. Just remember, no entrance, no win. Um, even on <laughs> WWE games, you have you actually have to be an official tag team to challenge for the belts or even anything like that. So, But anyway, I'm over this. Um, who can seriously challenge uh, this team after their impressive match? And what were your thoughts on it as well? Uh, the match itself uh, was uh, okay. It was a squash, you know, like you said, no entrance. You pretty much, when you don't, when one group can't even get an entrance, most of the time we pretty much know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, we even, you know, even barring certain shocking moments. Uh, as far as the team goes, I think with Blackheart and uh, Moon moving over to deal with uh Kai and uh or mostly just with Gonzalez right now just moves since Blackheart has been out. Uh you know, it really leaves a hole in my opinion right now in that division as far as a serious tag team. You know, I can only think of really the people that that come to mind or I don't take seriously at all. You know, like Aaliyah and uh Kamea. You know, uh, I, I don't. I'm trying to think of uh, another team at the moment who should uh, take it. Maybe another impromptu team. You know, maybe a, a returning EO and someone uh, could work. I don't know, honestly, at this mo- at this moment. I think probably that's what's gonna happen though. Maybe a team that either has not de- debuted yet, you know, or a team, a fresh team, a newer team will probably challenge them next. We need need a good babyface or maybe like an EO and the Sarai, maybe. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. just putting people together at this point. <laughs> no, that's, that's actually quite a good shout. Uh, we see Mercedes Martinez say she's more badass than she was in the Mae Young Classic. Uh, just like Zia Lee. Really good, Chiquita. Beat you at Mae Young Classic, but take over, run through you. And that sounds like another match is official. And then commentary remind us that Grimes versus Knight is official, as well, well as five-way for the NXT Championship. We then see another Diamond Mine promo opening soon. So, is this going to be like more Raw Underground than anything else? Is it going to be a show or stable? I mean, has this really explained anything from the promos? Yeah, they're leaving it very, very vague on purpose. I don't know. Maybe that maybe it changes weekly. They're not sure yet. But only thing we really can do is just keep watching and seeing what ha- what comes of it. I'm hoping for maybe a, another fresh stable, especially without the undisputed era here. It'd be nice to see what uh what new you know we got hit row that's another that's a fresh group you know it'd be nice to see if we can get another one you know I I'm a I'm a big fan of stables because I think if done right they can elevate so much they can elevate talent they can make you know established talent you can give uh, they can give established talent new directions so you know I really love that so I'm hoping for a faction but if it is a a, a show. I'm hoping it's not like uh, Raw Underground because, uh, you know, that was <laughs> <laughs> not the most compelling stuff. That's the reason why it does is no longer exists and it just faded away <laughs> without I like to, talking I, about it. I, but. Say, I like to think you're the positive one and I'm the negative one and we kind of meet halfway, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we see Ember Moon is with Mackenzie Mitchell. She said, am I supposed to be happy? Jump from Pajoy, I'm livid. Gonzalez is supposed to be the most dominant 
country, but Kai constantly fears for her. I'm going to take revenge on the lackey next week. That takeover, I'm going to take what matters to her most to become a two-time champ. Hell have no fury, like Ember's law. Uh, and great promo. And then we move on to the main event: MSK, the champions versus the Gardo del Fantasma. Of course, LXC tag team title match. The challengers enter first along with a leader, Santos Cespa, followed by champions. And I thought Mendoza had a gimp mask on until he got into the ring. <laughs> uh, and they said, oh, he'd broken his arm. Oh, OK. Because I thought that is a weird Mexican wrestler that I've never seen in my life. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've not... El God, actually, if I, I'm going to get angry emails, El Gimpo, go on, send send them to me, the Double Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, this was celebrated, <laughs> of course, 50 years of WWE tag teams uh, and into the match. And um, we see the Grizzled Young Vets trying to get involved. Chumper and Thatcher attack them. They brawl rage into the back. Meanwhile, Lee gave a partner to stop the dominance of the Gala del Fantasma. Regal's watching this and going, even in a match, there's fucking outside interference and brawling all the time. <laughs> like, what, what can I do? Uh, we see Wesley barely survive impressive offense from the hills, including the heads as a takedown off the top rope into a powerbomb. Santos Escobar attacked Lee from behind the referee's back and set up MSK to hit his finisher, but Carter made the save. Bronson Reed blasts Escobar into the barricade, <laughs> and when I say blasted him, <laughs> squashed him, uh, which distracted Mendoza while they finished MSK, allowing the champions to retain. What were your thoughts on this? A lot happened in this main event. Yes, the only, like I said, my biggest minus from this match if I have to say one, it's definitely how overbooked it felt at times. Like, it was so much to process. It was hard. I felt like the people who were having the title match deserve more shine on their own. Uh, and I think that, that probably could have took this match to the next level. But at the same time, it was still strong. It was still a great match. I think MSK is probably, I don't know if this was their best defense, but it could have been, or at least close to uh, one of them that I've seen so far. Uh, you know, again, MSK, they, I think they are who they are. I really, I think we've talked about it once before. I really, we really like Wesley, and I'm into it. And even, you know, Nash Carter definitely has his positives. Even though I think the problem, like I said, sometimes is you just get so wrapped up in how good Wesley is, it's hard to even think about Nash Carter sometimes. But at the same time, uh, again, it, even with Legato, I, I'm more into what they have going on as a, as characters as, as a tag team than I am. Uh, than the current champion. Same thing with uh Thatcher and uh, uh and Champa and you know even GYV. You know what I'm saying? So uh, sometimes you know uh, I don't know what's next for the champs, but we will have to see. Uh, you know I didn't know what as far as like what what feud is next for the champ. I'm not sure after this, but at the same time, uh, I thought this match was really good. You know they they I don't think it was anything wrong. But I can't wait to see. Uh, you know what type of what what new options in the tag division or what type of uh, stipulations for new matches that they can come up with? Because I do think that's one thing you have with MSK. They have the ability to be able to wrestle all types of matches. So I, I can't wait to see what else they can do in this run. And But my moment of the match, I honestly, I, I rewinded this manually myself <laughs> to keep watching Bronson Reed squash South <laughs> Escobar. It was just timed so perfectly. And I didn't see uh, Reed. It came out of nowhere. It was just perfect. I love that moment. <laughs> that, X, that was a brilliant moment, honestly. That was a gift filled, that was. But uh, like I said, my note is Wesley makes the rest look bad. And it is true. Uh, really yeah. fun match, though. Uh, what I was thinking at this point, I was going, well, maybe there'll be like a the four teams where it's 
obviously um the dangerous what do we call them dangerous bastards the dangerous uh, bastards I should have called him Danger. I called. Oh, I apologise for that. The Dangerous Bastards, uh, MSK, Legado. I think would have made a really exciting four-way match. Uh, yeah. But obviously, we'll see what happens as we move on to our last episode. Before that, a bit more news. This is more WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, Braun Strowman, Alistair Black, Woo! Buddy Murphy, all part of NXT with <sighs> Satan, with Satan's Garrett. Oh, sorry, Satana Garrett. The, the, <laughs> the, the, Satan's Garrett listening, I apologise, have all been released. What did you make of this? Because this is big talent this time. Uh, man, when, when when I first heard the Braun Strowman news particularly first, I'm going to go with him first. I was so shocked that it was, I really was like, okay, something major is going on that, that we're not we're – not, I still feel that way. It's something going on internally. Maybe I, You can say it's budget cuts, and maybe it is, but it just feels – like something else is going on because when you make it to the heights that he had, even if you like him or you think he's the, one of the best wrestlers or not, you know what I mean? As a character and as, and as far as importance goes, this man was just in a WWE title triple threat <laughs> match main event weeks ago and then he's gone, you know, and it's just like, I can't, it, it was just unbelievably shocking. The Aleister Black one sucked too because he just seemed like he was just getting incorporated into a storyline with Big E and the next week now he's gone. I, just, I couldn't believe that. I thought it was a mistake. Honestly, I thought people were playing around until I saw it everywhere. And I was like, okay, this is serious. You know, uh, guys like Buddy Murphy and Alistair Black and even Santana Garrett, who she's been uh, employed for a while. So, you know, it's, it's kind of when you think about, I mean, just think Alistair Black was one of the best NXT champions and just one of the best NXT characters and WWE characters, in my opinion, that they had. And the fact that they just let him go uh, for nothing, not realize his worth, even if it is a budget cut situation, it's just I, I, I can think of a couple of guys. I won't say any names, you know, but it's some people. Yeah, that Jackson probably, Roy, No, it's fine. OK, it's there just... you go. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I might as well go ahead and agree with you. Definitely Jackson Ryder. <laughs> Why? Like, seriously, how did how does he keep his job? And then. Someone like an Alistair Black is one of the first ones on the on the chopping block or whatever, however you want to look at it. it it's just insane. I couldn't believe the news. and But honestly, when it comes to guys like Buddy Murphy and Alistair Black or Tommy Inn, they will be fine. I oh, can't wait yeah. to see what they do on the out, outside of WWE. I don't know what Braun has planned. I don't know what who would even, you know, I don't know what his future even has. I don't know. Maybe down the line he come back to WWE. There's always the door. The door's always open. For return we know how that works uh by the way i just want to say uh, before the alistair black release i remember reading reports about zelina coming back and as soon as i saw that news i was like yeah guess that's out the door, out the window <laughs> that didn't work out uh no i'll say a couple of things and and I, I said this when the news broke was like it felt like someone had gone on to your general manager mode and released three <laughs> of your most important people, and you've gone, what the fuck have you done that for? Right. And they go, what? You go, you, you, I just brought him back to feud with this guy. This guy was in a WrestleMania main event uh, uh, match, and now he's been in the main event of pay per view. Like what you do? Right. Oh, sorry, guy. Like you know, we just have to deal with it. And, and and another thing is, there's obviously a massive, a huge disconnect between how they are in NXT, and then how obviously no. I mean, look at Keith Lee. Look at that! Look at Keith Lee's treatment. I was worried when 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 the releases were coming. I was 
that that was one of those names I was like, oh my goodness, please don't tell me they're that stupid that they're gonna get rid of Keith Lee. Same thing with Mia Yim. Mia Yim was uh at the beginning of this television uh run for NXT. She was all over NXT, having great matches, you know, and doing a really good job in her role. You know, probably could have did more in NXT, and they, they pretty much have called her up to what sit on the sidelines for the most yeah. part. Same thing with Keith Lee. It's insane. It's insane. It really is. But let's go back to NXT because we've got one last episode, the go-home show for In Your House, June 8th. We opened a video package, Adam Cole, and crossed his conversation last week along with a rundown of tonight's card. It's time for the first match of the evening, which is Austin Theory versus Oni Larkin. Of course, the fight, before, uh, fight last week and then before the show added to the fire. Uh, we see Pete Dunne and Johnny Gargano arrive to back up their allies. With Johnny wrestling in his corner, Fury started to build a momentum slam and Lorcan repeatedly into the barricade. The bruise waiting and Johnny wrestling began brawling because you can't not have an NXT match without brawling happening now, it looks like. But in a mode, <laughs> Lorcan planted Fury with a half Nelson Urinagi to win. Um, thoughts on this match? It was a good match, but was it a surprise that Lorcan actually got the victory? It's, and I hate to say this because of how good he is, it's almost always a surprise when Lorcan wins because he's been uh, under underappreciated for so long. And like you said, you can always see, especially with guys like Theory, that they have a – whether whether they're not acting on it right now, you can see the future in a guy like Austin Theory. So when he loses to a guy like uh, Lorcan, it is kind of a head-scratcher. But at the same time, with that being said, uh, I, I think they believe that Theory's character will be fine and Lorcan probably, you know – needed this more so uh more so in this situation i'm not really sure on that but i thought the match itself was really good and it also did a good job of incorporating or at least uh, like to use uh, the term you just use added fuel to that fire when it comes to the five way uh you know with the pete dunn and the gargano uh interaction but yeah uh well, i was definitely shocked that lorkin won but i thought this was solid still yeah, I mean, if uh, like I said, I, I enjoyed this. Uh, really solid stuff. Modified Spanish Fly looked ace as well by Fury. And I know I don't do this often, you know, but if I was going to pick a, you know, a future star, you know, a lot of people say, you know, MJF or a lot of other people as well. Uh, Ricky Starks is one of them in AEW. Right. I think Austin Fury for me in NXT, he's just, like I said, if you can be 100% in the character and learning from Gagano is going to be the mm-hmm. best thing. That is going to happen to him. So I will say, if I was, uh, then again, I have picked Baron Corbin as a future WWE champion as well. So I, I and that was about four years ago. So I, I have, I'm saying my track record may not be the greatest. But right oh, oh, now, oh, oh, were you were refer, referring to NXT Baron Corbin though, right? I, I was NXT Corbin when he was doing the breaking ground he, things. They're talking about, you know. Yeah, I get it because people. That's again. That that's back to that disconnect. If you didn't watch NXT Baron Corbin, he is nowhere near as boring nice. and as uh you know whatever you feel about the current Corbin. I don't know what the machine up top on the main roster has done to him. You know, it's been a it's been a methodical. Uh, just we want you to hate this guy so much to where we're gonna make you just disinterested altogether type of process when it comes to Corbin. Uh, but I understand exactly what you're saying because Theory is like what 22, 23. Like he's yeah. so young also, and he's already gets it in a lot of ways that people older than him still don't get it. <laughs> well, I don't want to bring this up again, but why is Dunn so tanned? Like, is he topping <laughs> up every week? Like, is that again? I'm, I don't want to go on about it, but. 
uh, you know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, we move on and we go to L.A. Knight's estate for a promo right from his shower. Ted, you talk about the million dollar legacy. And if you're talking about a guy to carry it, there's only one choice. L.A. Knight. Then we see in the hot tub with two models drinking champagne, practicing his million dollar laugh. They laugh at him until he tells them to knock it off. Next, he shows off his sports car, which pulls away in slow motion as going to a break. This was such an old fashioned feel to it. But I really yeah. enjoyed it. I really yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely a vignette. It has all the old vignette vibes. Uh, the the poor. I'm glad you called them models because they definitely weren't actors. The laughs were obviously phony. I would have told those <laughs> girls to shut up too. It was almost borderline annoying to me. So I got you, L.A. Night. I understand it. Uh, but but uh, again, this got the point over. You know, you got to see the hot tub. Got to see him. You know, living life. And again, that old school promo delivery. It worked. Uh, to a T, in my opinion, and I think maybe maybe that just shows how old we are that we can appreciate the little things that they throw <laughs> into L.A. Knight's promos, especially that vignette right there. But uh, uh, yeah, but I loved it. I enjoyed it. Well, talk about an old-fashioned feel. We then see Michael P.S. Hayes is on screen, pretending to be Doc Hendricks again to remote takeover. <laughs> He's screaming so loud, I'm afraid he might rip his throat out. But uh, he didn't want to do it last year, but obviously he's back again. Uh, and we will see him later on in the show as well. Then we get a video package of last week's MSK tag title defence. We then see the Gala del Fantasma arrive to air grievances. Santos and Smart Blade, Bronson Reed for costing Mendoza Wildy tag team champions. The Colossal one walked out and mocked Espar by showing his splash on the barricade from last week repeatedly. <laughs> MSK then backed him up. And then Espar made a challenge for six-man tag team winner-take-all contest for both NXT championships and the champion accepted for takeover. I like Santos stepping up, like we talked about. Shame Kushida won't be in a card. But it was a bit weird because the Hills now have all the faces have got everything to lose and nothing to gain. Yeah. Usually in that type of match, you'd be a champion on the one side or just a case of nothing. Do you know what I mean? Is this match just for them to have a six-man tag and say it actually means something when it just won't, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I think they're trying to just... I think that the whole goal of this was to make a six-man tag, a regular six-man tag team match, but make it, like, take over word so we need to put something on the line or something of some sort, because that's the only way it makes sense to me. I agree. I don't understand why the babyfaces would even take this, uh, that that offer. Like, it's just... It doesn't... That's just dumb. You got... Anything could happen, and now I'm not North American champion again, or you know, you know, vice versa with the tag team titles. So it, it's just, uh, I don't really understand it, you know, uh, from that standpoint. But also, I would also say this that is, if in this scenario, I also don't like the fact that really it's predictable now. I will be really shocked. Not only is Bronson Reed a new champion, but it's just the way you would lose, you would uncrown him as the champion would really disrespect all of that great storytelling you just told with him finally capturing the belt. And then you let, what, Wesley or, uh, you know, Nash Carter get pinned and now he's no longer champion. I, I really don't want that to happen. So I really think the only way I'd be happy with the way this match would go is if it goes a, a, in a predictable fashion and the baby faces prevail. I hate yeah. to be that guy, but, I mean, honestly, that's what kind of that's what you kind of book yourself into a corner when you do it this way, in my opinion. Well, not just that, but afterwards we see Joe uh, entering the ring, staring down the Gala del Fantasma and MSK and Bronson Reed uh, looking uh, to make sure that they knew that the NXT gold, gold is the goal of the crew, which, again, I thought was a little moment like that, but really kind of set up like you could look back at that moment six months time and go, that's where it started, if you know right. what I mean. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and again, that's another thing that kind of takes away from Legato's challenges is when you know that Hit Row is also eyeing those belts, and it makes more sense for them, especially in their current incarnation, to take that take the belt off those baby faces. But yeah, I I really like that little tease too because Isaiah before. And we talked about it. We mentioned it in a promo. He already mentioned it, that he had his eye on whoever prevailed as North American champion. So uh, I can't wait to see that. And and also seeing the letting top dollar, letting uh, Adonis get a good look at the tag team titles. It was a nice little teaser of what may be to come. And, yeah, we will be looking at that down the line because I, I, I'm, I'm just like you. I expect big things from Hit Row. Yeah, well, there's as well. Scott was in action next against Killian Dane. Dane is accompanied the ring by Maverick. Top dollar planted poor Drake Maverick as Dane went for a Vader bomb. And the influence allows Scott to hit a running corner single leg drop kick for the win. I will say one thing in this, and it's not a go at Scott. He hit a forearm on Dane, and Dane went down like big time. And I just thought, if Dane's a big man... Or, you know, you want to wrestle like a monster. You don't go down on one strike off of someone like Swerve. And that's no disrespect to Swerve. But you know what I mean right. by that, don't you? You know, like, yeah. it just shows you, uh-huh. you know, it's like when Big Show used to get beaten by Jeff Hardy in the early noughties and stuff like that. You know, like, um, and Dane is going bald on top, but not bad. And this was more about <laughs> Swerve. Uh, you know, if if, if I was uh, Dr- Dr- Dane and Drake, I'd be like, shit, we're on our way down. These guys on the way up. What's going to happen next? You know? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. You know, I can't wait to see. But I, like I said, big things are definitely coming for Hit Row. Uh, but, you know, Killian Day, like I said, I, every time I watch him sometimes, it's not not to say he's not he doesn't compel and he's not doing important things. I just I can't help but look at him and just want more for him. So, like you said, when you point out certain elements of the match or how he thwarted or the short time that this match was given, it is, you know, Kind of, it does suck and it's frustrating for somebody like him because he is so good, like uh, in my opinion. Like, he, and I don't even think he's even scratched the surface of how good he can be. Uh, and I, I don't know what's next for uh, you know Ma- Maverick and Dane, but at some point they're gonna have to. Uh, we're gonna have to see. They're gonna have to do something else, you know. And uh, I can't wait to see what that is. Well, we see a video package of Poppy arriving earlier today. Kansas face says you have the NXT Women's Taxi Champions here, and you talk about Poppy. That's horrible. That's terrible. Indy Hartwell said, I heard Dexter Loomis put my headphones last week and cried. I think he still loves me. I'm going to go find him. And the Ray's like, why is this still happening? Um, and if that wasn't enough, now we have Cameron Grimes is having his turn at showing off his wealth. He does a cannonball to a giant pool, lights his cigar with a $100 bill, but coughs it up trying to smoke it. And then he chokes on the whiskey while he tries to drink it. And yet he pulls around the ball. He's promising me DBS's legacy to the moon. I love Grimes. This was brilliant, you know? Yes, it was It was great and unintentionally. I don't know. Maybe it was intentional, but it was also just hilarious the entire time. I find myself a lot of times when Cameron grabs on my TV screen just smiling uh, in general before he even gets into whatever is going on. That's how good or at least how happy the, the his portrayal of the character makes me because I just know something entertaining or something – you know, funny is going to happen. And, and and this was right in line also with the old school vignette earlier. Uh, so I just love that element also. It was, just, it was just great. It was really well done. Right. Well, we see the lights go down in the Capitol Wrestling Center. Mercedes Martinez is at the top of the entry ramp. But Zia Lee jumps before she gives him a head to the ring. Lee pummels over, kicks by the barricade, rips off her jacket and throws Martinez into the ring. But Martinez fires up with forms and kicks. 
Zeely out. Opponent is just standing in the ring, you know, watching all this happen. Uh, Martinez throws Lee over the barricade and gets back in the ring. So the bell. Opponent is immediately hit with an air raid crash for the pin. Uh, the opponent was Amira Miller, aka Cameron Clay. Um, there's not many times you see someone getting beaten down for a match and then still winning it. But obviously, unlike we were talking about with L.A. Knight and Cameron Grimes, uh, Martinez needs a victory to kind of build her up after kind of tasting defeat in big matches, you know? Yeah, I think that's what this all this was all about. You know, she's lost a couple of big spots and they want to, uh, like you said, continue to to build her up. And honestly, this is this is my whole standpoint. When when the jobber decided not to attack her immediately <laughs> upon her getting jumped, I knew this was this was not going to be long, and it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we see Breeze Angra backstage with Mackenzie Mitchell asking all the questions, though, not her. Breeze says Imperium have sour grapes, and if they have to beat them on the way back to the tag titles, that's what they'll do, and leave them to do with what was rough afterwards. Fandango opens his shirt to show off his chest before leaving, and then Ted DiBiase is headed towards the ring for the segment after the break. I mean, if someone is just watching that 15 minutes of... Uh, Indy Hartwell and then Cameron Grimes into a bit of Dexter Loomis and then you're seeing Breeze Anger. You're thinking, what the fuck? And then not only that, we go backstage and Poppy is backstage winning Regal and Triple H. Hunter says that her theme songs have been great on NXT. He wants to know when a new album drops. Poppy says, right now. Hunter says, so you just push a button and the album drops and Poppy says, everywhere. Hunter's like, technology is amazing. Dexter Loomis walks in, stares at Poppy (laughs) and shows her a drawing. She accepts it with a quiet thank you and then gives him a hug. Oh, that is going to make Indy Hartwell insane. Speaking of which, she comes in on them hugging and loses her call. Hunter <laughs> says that was a little awkward. I mean, this was fun. The Regal's expressions were priceless. <laughs> Triple H arm around Regal as well. Everything about this was brilliant. Yes, it was perfect, man. It was so perfect. Like that, like you said, the facial expressions, the uh, the mannerisms of Regal, like he just, like he knew this was trouble and the the fact that uh I like even uh Loomis post everything like post the hug even when he realized that Indy was running away he even his facial expression was even like oh yep I I up uh, I I just screwed <laughs> I screwed up this one uh but yeah I really like all the elements of it you know by the way I just want to say that uh if you had a socially awkward phase growing up and you wasn't really good at talking to women. If I knew all you had to do was just draw them a pen. Man, <laughs> high school would have been so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, well, we move on. I think Grimes pulls up for the priceless announcement and Knight pulls up right at the same time. The chauffeur says, is waiting for them both in the ring. Grimes makes jokes. You wonder in years to come which famous wrestler is playing security either as you know they, they're there at the moment or kind of breaking up all the fights as well you know you look back in years to come and you go that guy's a 10-time WWE champion now you know but anyway we get Ted DiBiase's announcement and we see a solid gold ladder descending into the ring uh, which again is really dangerous especially with DiBiase placed right underneath it you kind of get that feeling of a Wiley Coyote thing happening but it didn't and then a hell of a promo by Grimes uh, as well, talking about it, really getting the crowd behind him. And then you see the security oh, yeah. team walking with a briefcase. Uh, we see it on a velvet draped pedestal. And then we also see, gentlemen, the, you both know what's inside. Uh, the both of you will fight, crawl, grab, air, use every fibre of energy and muscle in your body just so you can have this. 
He then opens up the briefcase, luckily, uh, and then it reveals it to be the million-dollar belt. Um, whoever wins on Sunday will become the new million-dollar champion. DBRC cackles as Grimes and Knights talks back to each other, and the music plays. Uh, I mean, this is the... We talked about an end game, and it's just been delivered. Yes, it was so great uh, to finally see where this was all going. You know, we, we, we mentioned, I think last time, maybe a managerial role for DBIC or something like that. But I thought this is actually even better because that's another thing about L.A. Knight and Grimes. They both are great, good enough uh, characters, good enough on the mic to where they don't need a manager anyway. So I thought making the making it the million-dollar championship, making them either one of them become the million-dollar man is just such a great – thing uh to have them to fight for and it's uh you know i want to know how far does this go you know is this going to become another one is that just it's just going to be just something like as a prop just a belt to have or is this going to be something that other people fight for as time goes on uh you know uh when it happens but i do want to i do want to let you know this is kind of a small spoiler alert for when we kind of break down the card uh, it's no way in hell that Cameron Grimes should lose this match. I'm too invested <laughs> in the nice theme song. I'm too invested in his millionaire role now. I will be so angry <laughs> if he loses. <laughs> well, I will say Ted looks better every week. But why are these wrestlers in this story not on Raw? I mean, how much would that improve it? You know, like, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think everyone I know, you know, I enjoyed this. This is this is just brilliant. It's just one of these things. But um, we then see all five men in the five-way face-off fighting backstage. Willie Regal's erased. He breaks it up. Enough of this. No more. You've done it for a month. It ain't gonna fucking stop now, is it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> we see Ever Rise hosting a pre-pre-show on Sunday. Good old bucks. I'm starting to like them. And then the Grizzled Young Veterans versus August Gray and Eichmann Juro. It appears that James Drake and Zach Gibson begin a chance to pick up a win tonight at 205 Live at Spence, but don't touch Jiro's jacket. And just as the Young Vets get in the upper hand, Chumper and Thatcher come down with chairs and settle them to watch a match with new T-shirts as well. And this T-shirt I could see, and I thought it was quite funny because it's Chumper holding uh, Thatcher's face when they're arrested with both <laughs> with a smile on their face. It's, it works really well. Uh, we see... Um, Ticket to Mayhem, it was slightly longer than a squash, but it was all the same. And then afterwards, uh, the dirty, no, what is it again? Dangerous bastards are there. And they are saying that uh, they want to face grizzled young vets and they're going to have a tornado tag match next week. We've got a few squashes tonight. Um, and I really like the style of Gibson's boots. They look like football boots. I like the stripes that he had there. Right. But grizzled young vets need a big win. What are your thoughts on what happened and uh, what's going to happen, obviously, when they face off as well. Yeah, uh, I thought, again, uh, GYV did a really good job. Uh, I, I I wasn't really uh, familiar with Argus Gray's partner. I was wondering why he decided to wrestle this entire match with a jacket on. Small thing, small thing that, uh, you know, that I, I noticed. But anyway, besides the point, Argus Gray looked good in the little time that he had, too, by the way. Uh, uh, you know, in a couple of spots, even though, like you said, the the finish was inevitable and it, it went how we figured. I was kind of bummed out that this match was not added to TakeOver also. It's more of a next week thing, but I also know that they don't like to go too much over uh, a certain number of matches when it comes to TakeOver. So, I, you know, I let that slide. And uh, either way it go, uh, I think the Chompa versus uh, – the Chompa-Thatcher versus GYV match will be – 
uh, a sight to see. And I love them adding a tornado element. This is something that uh, maybe that make me feel old when I say it, but I love tornado tag matches. I I don't understand why they're such a rarity in professional wrestling. Like I I want to see more tornado tag man. I know it's chaos a lot of times, but it's usually really really good and as much as i love the traditional tag match style i love tornado tag matches so i can't wait to see what these four guys get to do in that format today their tag's not been around for 10 years no uh so anyway we got <laughs> candice LeRae called poppy out for her and her friend and trying to take the spotlight poppy arrived and made it clear she does not wrestle she instead had a friend who would fight for her uh, we're getting no pop decks, there's no doubt. But we get EO Shy's music. She's back. She is so fucking cool. I cannot believe it. She screams and circles Poppy as she makes her way to the ring. Poppy helps her disrobe, <laughs> as would I. And she jumps in the ring to hit a double leg take down at 619. The Ray is really top rope missile drop kick. The Ray bows and Shy celebrates with Poppy. It is great back nxt is better with its biggest star what were your thoughts on eo's return uh it was all it's always nice to see eo shirai like you mentioned she's definitely the still the coolest still badass the uh you know nxt is her realm as long as it, as long as she uh there she, she is like in my opinion definitely you know the ace even with the uh the uh the gonzalez and even with Gonzalez as champion and their feud and all of that, I really liked what happened after this segment with them, you know, getting a chance to kind of look at each other on backstage. I love seeing that shot and, you know, EO's attitude, even in that segment was just so damn awesome. Like everything she does is cool. Uh, like we mentioned all the time. Uh, but I will say this, I don't, other than the, for the purpose of seeing EO Shirai, uh, I I was not really surprised by the, the comeback because I have not I don't think I've ever seen Poppy on the show without some involvement with Io Shirai. So uh, <laughs> it wasn't really that. I guess I kind of spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler. you know, spoiler, like, Poppy's here. No way Io will show up some way, and it's exactly what happened. So yeah, yeah. But, boat ahead, boat ahead show up, cool. and you're going. Yeah, yeah. I was cool to see him though. <laughs> yeah without a doubt um like i said during the commercial break we see gonzalez and kai who got their kai's got a match next staring um a hole through eo that's a really cool moment and it led to kai versus ember moon and the captain of team kick did repeated damage to the war goddess that built up in the corner uh kick that almost ended it but moon finally responded with a power bomb outside gonzalez missed a big boot leading to moon hitting kai and gonzalez for suicide dive this up the eclipse but the NXT Women's Champion struck first part of the challenge for disqualification. And afterwards, War Goddess attacked both heels. She then reversed a single arm powerbomb into a stunner, followed by the Eclipse again to Gonzalez. Uh, I really, really like this, and Gonzalez's smile is so disconcerting because she will fuck you up. Um, what did you think of this? And Moon looked great in the end as well. Yeah, I, I think, again, I think uh, Gonzalez, again, looks looks awesome, as always, and, and just it's obviously the champion and uh but i really love how they establish maybe if you haven't been watching for years or you don't know uh how dangerous ember moon can be and uh i I think they did a good job of letting you know that she is a threat you know and also that uh you know her this will be she could be a two-time nxt women's champion and uh I, i think this this she looked completely on gonzalez level this entire time when in the past, when you when you when you've done dealt with uh, champions or people like Gonzalez, 
she can just overwhelm uh, most of the people she fought easily. I think this match will be uh, a good test to see. Uh, I would love to see how competitive this match actually ends up being, whether whether Gonzalez dominates or how much offense does Moon get a chance to get in. Is it going to be more of a back-and-forth situation, kind of like we saw with EO uh, with the, uh, the championship match? Uh, we'll see. But I think either way it goes, we're in for a treat uh, on TakeOver. Yeah, without a doubt, I mean, like I said, it wasn't a bad match. Moon looked strong, Kai didn't eat a pin. And Moon can be put in the spot, like we talked about with Johnny Gagano earlier, because of her history in NXT title matches. And her matches with Oscar are up there for me as my favourite matches that I've ever watched. I'm lucky enough to see one of those matches in person, front row, uh, when they came over here. And it sticks with me to this day. Like I said, I remember Moon, uh, fantastic talent as well. Um, and also, but I will point out the commentary team as well because these are my favorite team by far obviously uh vic joe's way back beth phoenix talking about the women's championship match on nxt uk as well which i thought was really really nice touch um and then we see brawls broke out between nxt title contenders throughout the night obviously regal can't stop them and it spilled to the ring where regal talked down cross until the contenders started appearing Again, I felt sorry for Regal in this one, but Carlo Riley stood up to the NXT champion while Johnny Gagano watched on the announce table and Pete Dunne told everyone to shut up. Adam Cole talked to everyone from an undisclosed location and then disappeared before a fight started. Everyone struggled to knock down a champion, even when security got involved, who were thrown like lawns. Like you said, champions are going to be thrown around the ring there. And Costa tore over the crowd until Adam Cole attacked and laid out the champion with a super kick and the last shot. So the last shot we got before in your house was Adam Cole, baby. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? I thought this was a great segment. It was very, very. Everyone looked good in my opinion. Uh, Cross still looked strong because he took, you know, he just battled, you know, four of the, of the contenders, and you know, still was left standing. And then you know, Cole looked looked uh, really good and also smart. I just want to say he definitely outsmarted everyone because I, I I can't be. Please tell me I wasn't the only one who knew he was in the building. It wasn't just me. <laughs> it was no way they were going to all get, start fighting and he wasn't going to show his face up. And predictably so. It just, again, sometimes it can be predictable, but it's it, that's one of those you know things where it's not like, oh, man, I knew this was going to happen. It's a drag. It's one of those situations where it was like, he better show up because he's always one step ahead. So it fits his character for him to be there. And that's exactly what he was. And he's a heel. Heels lie. So it's a great, <laughs> great. But it's not, proud, you know, it works in every uh, way it could. Go, go again. But I say, like you're saying, it showed every character because it was Cross who was in the middle of the ring. Standing dominant and saying, if anybody comes in here, I'll take him out. Gagano on the announce table because obviously, because he's a bit of a healer as well. Dunn doesn't give a fuck, so he's on the apron. Kyle Riley being the baby face he is, he's on the apron as well trying to fight. And like you said, Adam Cole uh, coming in at the end, showing what he's about. And I say, say Adam Cole with the NXT title just looks right. And, it's, and, and I know the multi-man match favours the champion. But in my head, I'm thinking... Cole could become champ, and I'd be quite happy with that, actually. I agree, and I think it'll be a creative way to not only dethrone Cross, because he doesn't have to be involved, he's still going to be protected, but it also can lead to, like, uh, a culmination of, you know, maybe a Cross-Cole one-on-one encounter, and I still think we may get that. We should get that down the line, no matter what happens in this match. 
but uh, yeah, I, I agree 100%. Adam Cole would be a perfect pick. And he just he's a, he's that guy, you know, on the mic. He's that guy. He's great in the ring. You know, he had he's one of those guys that have it all. He's one of those guys that just like EO in a sense, especially with what we've been talking about overall uh, with a lot of the things that we've seen with that disconnect of how you are, how you've been presented in NXT and how you can be presented on the main roster. I would love Adam Cole to stick around as long as possible. And I'm sure he would too. <laughs> well, the, the thing that got me with that was, uh, I don't know. We joked about it. Like last week when Cross and Cole stood face to face in the ring and Cole was, you don't think of him as short, right. you know, you put him in the ring with a Randy Orton, who's you know six two or whatever that is. He's gonna look quite small, and it's gonna be quite and not, you know Vincent Mann or whoever's gonna see and go, oh actually maybe not. Right. And, and like I said, with Johnny Gagano, if he's like the Bret Hart and Adam Cole's like the Shawn Michaels of the NXT, and it can only be a good thing uh, if he's around. One thing we should take a note of as well: William Regal. I mean, not only is he pissed, the reactions, he's like he's having a stroke when they're all going <laughs> at ringside. I wonder Agreed. if that's going to play into it. I wonder if it's going to play into it. I think at some point he's going to have to do something. Like I said, you know, Cross made a great point with that. You've been, this show has been out of control a long time. There's a lot of things going on. I think one thing, even just listening to you break down what what took place on the, these shows. I don't, if I, if it's a drinking game on this, here go a new drinking game for everyone listening to the show. <laughs> However many times James said brawl, take a sip, <laughs> and I promise you, <laughs> you will understand. Like that's how out of control the show is. <laughs> I fucking love this show. This is the best fucking thing I've ever seen. It's not uh, great, uh, but like I said, it's it's true. But what have you thought? Are we were talking about we round it up. Uh, NXT has been funny and good for me this month. What are your thoughts on on NXT this month? Because obviously maybe the ratings. Maybe not as good. I mean, the ratings, we've got 669,000 viewers, so up about 10,000, uh, 10, which is not great. But what is your personal opinion on NXT uh, this past month, just reviewing it now? Yeah, I think NXT is, do, uh, is you know, they're still in a transitional uh, period after, like, the Finn Balor reign, the Io Shirai reign. And, you know, I think the shows are still, like you said, funny. And from a storytelling standpoint, it's been some of the best stuff uh, on television, you know, between SmackDown and a lot of the storytelling that they've been doing with Roman Reigns and the stuff that's going on in, in NXT, those are some of the best stories that I've been able to enjoy on a weekly basis when it comes to wrestling. So I love what they've been doing storytelling wise. You know, it has not always the most, it's not, it's not always the most, you know, like 30 minutes of grappling type of wrestling, you know, NXT UK, for example, not saying they're just all wrestling, but they, when their show is centered a lot of times more about what's going on in the ring, same thing like New Japan, same thing. It's centered yeah, yeah, about yeah. what's going on in the ring more so. And I think NXT does a good job of mixing it up. So this, the last few shows, I really love what they've been doing from a storytelling standpoint, from a setting up thing standpoint. But we all know what's going to happen when we're going into a takeover. The in-ring work is probably about to blow the roof off. You know, whatever your expectations could be going into it, whether you've been watching or you haven't been watching. So I think even I think even though we have uh, the ratings, a lot of people, when they know a takeover is coming, they're still going to go watch that takeover, whether they've been watching every week or not. So uh, I, I can't wait. And I think that's another uh, element. Every time that we do these these wrap up shows, these review shows, 
NXT does a really good job of getting me invested into what's going to happen at the takeover. And I think that's the goal. If you break it down for these weekly shows, it's always to get people invested into your pay-per-views or to your special. Yeah, I think without a doubt, it's an excellent point, you know, and I think with takeovers as well, you can build it up, talk it up as much as you want. They always do deliver. So finally, speaking of takeover, let's just go run through the takeover card because we know we've got a singles match. Mercedes Martinez versus Zia Lee, uh, of course, with a history for the Mae Young Classic. Uh, will this open the show and will this just basically be kind of one sided or you know, how do you see this match playing out? Um, I think uh, I don't I, I think it will be a disservice to either character if it is one sided on either way. You know, because Mercedes has lost a lot of these big match situations so far in her run as of recent time, and she hasn't really been able to win. So she needs this, but at the same time, if you think about what Zia Lee needs overall, I think she needs it a little bit more. So I'm expecting a, a competitive uh, back and forth match, but I think at the end of the day, Zia Lee with her new mystical uh, endurance and all of that, I think she should prevail, and it would. Do, do her a great, uh, it would do do her her character, it would give her, you know, a great jumping pad to something next, you know, something new. I don't know, uh, I don't know uh, if a title shot is down the line for for that character, especially with Martinez, you know, being healed or, I mean, not Martinez, Gonzalez being healed. Mm. And, uh, you know, even though she kind of straddles that line sometimes, I still don't necessarily know what that means for the future for Zali, but I think for her character, for this character, it'd be nice if she got this victory. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, we get the Million Dollar Championship ladder match as well. Cameron Grimes versus L.A. Knight. I think it would be fair to say that if Grimes loses, we both riot. Yeah? That, yes. That... <laughs> yeah. And me and my friend Mark will stop watching. <laughs> 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 to quote Triple H years back. Uh, but... <laughs> No, I'm just playing. Uh, but the point is, yes, I think we, we're we on the same page there. It's only one million dollar man in NXT, and that is Cameron Grimes in my, for my money. <laughs> I am expecting something special in that one because I don't think people are thinking much of it. I think we're going to see either a bump or something like this that's going to be very, very interesting. It's a takeover match. It's a ladder match. You know, I, I just think there's going to be something there. What about the winner-take-all match for the NXT Tag Team Championship and North American titles? Bronson Reed and MSK versus Legado del Fantasma. Do you see any surprises in this one? Uh, this is one of those matches actually would that I don't. I'm not expecting a surprise. Yeah, like I think LA Knight is probably going to shock some people with what he could do athletically in that ladder match. So I can, you know, kind of go back on that. In this match, I don't know where a surprise would be coming from because I do, I doubt the finish would be a shock. I'm pretty sure the baby faces will do what they need to do. Uh, but, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe it'll go under the radar and it'll be a nice, uh, uh, it'll fit well within the show. But theoretically, right now, I'm not expecting it to be, like, I'm expecting this to probably not, to to not even be as exciting as Ali and Mercedes, but we'll see. What about the NXT women's match, of course, Raquel Gonzalez, one of the most dominant women's champions of all time in NXT versus Ember Moon, but Ember Moon knows something about dominant women's champion. Maybe she can't get the job done against Oscar, but has she got Gonzalez's number? Yeah, I think uh, that'll be, that's that's one of those elements. Like I said, Ember Moon has the credibility, has the uh, work rate to threaten uh, Gonzalez's reign, but I think overall Gonzalez will be a little bit too much, and, you know, and I think that threat will, will be the entertainment, like how how close can Ember actually get, you know, can she keep the, you know, the giant in a, in a sense in this retrospect with Gonzalez? Can she keep her down? Can she uh, 
overcome that power. And I don't know. All I know is, is that either way it goes, if an eclipse is hit, I don't think Gonzalez is kicking out. And if that, that power bomb that Gonzalez, if she hits that, no, I don't think Ember is kicking out. So I think that's one thing that's really exciting. Like, who's going to hit that, you know, pr- super protected finisher first? And well, when we hit, that, now, as a matter of fact, that will shock me if Raquel would be one of the first people I've seen kick out of it. The, the thing is, and this is probably going to blow your mind now as well, is the fact is, is that Gonzalez can get reversed from that power bomb with Moon. She's proved it the past couple of weeks. She's got an answer to that. The question right. is, like you said, has Gonzalez got an answer to the Eclipse? And if she hits it, will it be lights out on that one? And then f- finally, NXT Championship. Uh, proper build, see? Proper Friday build, this is. <laughs> finally, the main event of NXT TakeOver in your house. It's going to be a fatal five-way. Of course, Karen Cross the champ versus Adam Cole versus Pete Dunne versus Johnny Gargano versus Kyle O'Reilly. It should be a hell of a main event. Uh, what are your thoughts on how this is going to play out? Yeah, I'm expecting uh, them all guys to kill it. I think everyone's going to have their moments to shine. Uh, I think this is going to flow really well. You got guys like Gargano and Cole who are great ring generals. Pete Dunne who's going to probably do something gnarly to, uh, you know, he may single out, I don't know, may, hopefully Cross. It'd be nice to see how much him and Cross actually get a chance to touch in this particular spot. But uh, I, I think I'm definitely expecting him to single out someone, maybe a Kyle O'Reilly because he's probably, probably pretty much the only, uh, you know, white meat baby face if you want to, if, if, if they even exist anymore <laughs> in this situation. So, like, uh, maybe he'll target him and hurt him or do something. I'm expecting a lot of different, elements to this match but at the end of the day i'm also expecting cross to still prevail uh and uh and the only reason why i say that is because what 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 proves that he is everything that they say he is and not everything that adam cole reinforced uh then other than him just beating everyone i don't know if he's gonna stack them a la rolling roman reigns but i can see him ending up choking out you know uh maybe uh, o'reilly or gargano in the end well, the, the thing is about this is this Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole is their head in the game. Are they actually focused on the prize? Or are they right. going to focus on each other? And is that going to split it up then? You would think Pete Dunne involved. Would he be the one to eat the pinball victory? It probably will be Johnny Gagano. who has got so much. Like I said, even if he was to get pinned here, uh, you would probably say, oh, OK, but he can recover from that. But right. then you throw the question of Johnny Gagano, is it, who's going to be in this match? It's going to be Johnny Takeover. And yeah. that man... Yeah. It's a different animal, you know? He like, yeah, he's hard to put away. That's fair. So, like you said, when that's that. Uh, looking over the card, I mean, like I said, it looks a good card on paper. We'll be speaking about it. Obviously, we've built up the excitement for this. But is it lacking or is it too predictable? Is that a problem with this card? I think I think to an extent, yes. I think uh, at least out of every match, the, the least predictable match is obviously the Fatal Five way. Uh, and then... You know, maybe you can, like I said, if you can see Ember winning, but at the same time, that can be kind of predictable with how dominant Gonzalez has been. And then, like I said, you know, I'm not sure it's Ali Lee, but other than that, everything else, you know, everything else is kind of like, okay, I, I think we can see where this is going. So that may hurt this card. I think, like we always say, you just have to prepare and expect for the best when it comes to these takeovers. Uh, because they always seem to do it, but I do. I, I I will say this: I don't necessarily know how well this will stack up with other cards. But I also remember enjoying the in your house theme last year, and I yeah. think that's something that's going to give a 
a great element. I've even heard Johnny Gargano hinting uh, at him doing a Shawn Michaels like entrance. Is oh. this the year to to you know come off the in your house uh, set? So who knows? You know, fly fly into the arena that way. Who knows, man? It can, it definitely can be some memorable moments just along with the set and with the the theme of the uh, the takeover. But uh, I don't know. Like you said, it is predictable. I think that's taken away from maybe a little bit of the hype. But I'm still expecting a good show. The thing is with takeovers is you might think it's predictable, but there's always one spanner in the works. There's always going to be one match that maybe not go the way that people think. And also with takeover, you can, you know, I could say it's going to be one of the greatest takeovers of all time and it will deliver an in-ring perspective. And there's no doubt about that. And that's what's so great about it. We've spent nearly three hours talking, you know, running through the last month of NXT going about takeover and i'm actually ready now if someone said to me oh you and monty can watch takeover right now i would sit here for another two and a half hours and do it you know unfortunately yeah. unfortunately we can't we have to wait till tuesday because that's when we'll be back to do nxt takeover in your house and uh, I, I mean i can't wait are you are you ready for that now <laughs> oh man I, i'm looking forward to it and i i'm having my my uh my tablet next to me, ready to jot down everything, and I I can't wait to see what what's gonna happen. Especially like I said, I'm salivating to see the, the the many different outcomes and what everyone comes up with when it comes to that fatal five way. Man, I really like how they built up to that main event, so I'm just excited and I can't wait for uh, our show, man. Let's do it. Without a doubt, like I said, today we've 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 cooked it. It smells fantastic, and on Tuesday we will taste it. But until then, that's it. Uh, don't forget across all social media, Twitter, at the WNR Podcast. I'm at the WNR JR. Monty, do you want to just plug your stuff? All right. At my Monty Pod, M-I-N, Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, Pod. So uh, on Twitter, and uh, that's pretty much where you can find me. Uh, uh, I'm a full-fledged contributor at this point to the WNR Podcast, but I do have my own podcast called the Mind of Monty Podcast that you can seek out on all plat- uh, podcasts and platforms. Uh, so, yeah, just check me out, and uh, I can't wait to see you Tuesday, my guy. We're here for you. Like I said, I cannot wait. And anybody that doesn't listen to Monty's own podcast, I will find you. You know, I have got a certain <laughs> set of skills. You can find the WNR on Facebook and Instagram. Of course, send all your hate emails to the WNR podcast at gmail.com show and of course youtube double up podcast with all latest clips and podcasts at the same time on youtube as do soundcloud on your phone and spotify and itunes we can download subscribe break and review there so that's it our next episode we're doubling up because monty will be back for nxt takeover in your house until then i've been james rollins i was joined by the fantastic monty again thank you very much for joining me i hope you enjoyed yourself i always do thank you i can't wait till the next show <laughs> Well, until then, like I said, we've both been us, so that is it for now. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Adios.